Ghostbusters are here, Mr. Mayor. Ghostbusters. Okay, the Ghostbusters. Hey, where's this Peck? I am Walter Peck, sir, and I'm prepared to make a full report. These men are consummate snowball artists. They use sense and nerve gases to induce hallucinations. People think they're seeing ghosts. And they call these bozos who conveniently show up to deal with the problem with a fake electronic light show. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no well, that's what I heard. City Hall. <clears throat> oh. I'm uh, Winston Zettimore, Yana. Look, I've only been with the company for a couple of weeks. But I got to tell you, these things are real. Since I joined these men, I have seen that'll turn you white. Well, you can believe, Mr. My name is Peck. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness. Earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Enough. I get the point. But what if you're wrong? If I'm wrong, nothing happens. We go to jail peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if I'm right, and we can stop this thing, Lenny, you will have saved the lives of millions of registered voters. <laughs> I was talking about when we were at that music industry party, how I really needed the new DVD player because mine's turned to go to crap. And she's like, well, normal people don't watch five movies in a row on their DVDs, Sarah. That's not true. She made fun of me. I guess I'm wearing it out. That's okay. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You're among friends here. You're among people who've worn out new... I'm on my, uh, let's see, one... I'm on my fourth DVD player at home. I'm on my you third. don't feel bad about that at all. I don't feel any shame about Nothing it until wrong. she made me feel like I should be shamed about no, it. Well, you know, ever. Doesn't matter. All right. All right. Some of us, you know, some of us spend our time pursuing the finer things in life, Sarah. That's all. I mean, I guess we could be like your friend and while away our hours in college getting some fancy degree... They get a real job. Instead, I spend like my entire evening watching Anchorman, re-watching it with all the commentary. Mainlining the entire third season of Sex and the City. Then watching behind-the-scenes footage of making of it. Can I ask you this? And I ask this because I am a man, and therefore I don't know those, uh, these things. Uh, but I, and I took my caffeine uh, kind of late today, so it's going to take a few minutes to kick in. So if I sound a little uh, mush-mouthed, uh, it's because it's still, even as we speak now, the endorphins are just beginning to fire. Um... Is it sex and the city or sex in the city? Sex and the city. Okay. Sex and the city. I have to uh, get that right because later on today we'll be speaking with uh, comedian <gasps> oh. Craig Gass. Yes? I'm nervous. Yeah. I forgot about Did this. Did you mean to wear those clothes today? No. Yeah. I was screwing with you. No, I like the sweater. <laughs> I'm okay. Okay. 
Uh, hi, it's five minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of December, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 70 Solid State Radio here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, which is covered in a spooky white mist, which I do believe took John Lee. I mean, really, if you're keeping score. Uh, it is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your uh, conventions, your whatever. Your contributions of any uh, manner, uh, matter, size, shape, form, whatever. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie uh, Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or the just plain stupid. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T. Uh, at 970.am. Uh, All right, so let's talk about what's coming up today. Yeah, so uh, comedian Craig Gass. Uh, and I'm going to have to ask him if he's related to Kyle Gass. I'm gonna, I haven't put down any questions yet, but I'm going to write that one down. Hold on a second. Related to Kyle Gass. To Kyle Gass. Uh, so Craig Gass will be in the studio uh, today. He's uh, performing in Vancouver this Friday and Saturday at, and you know I wrote down the place and I forgot it, but I'll uh, I'll, I'll make sure to, to give that information out because um, I mentioned this to some people uh, this morning who were just did all gog about it. So we've had him on the show via phone before, but he'll be in the studio with us today. Um, see what else? Elisa Desjardins will be joining us from the Hill today. Um, Steve Castamon joining us from New York City, where I guess that teacher, what is it, a British woman who was like a. And she named the teddy bear Muhammad, and then they were going to boil her in oil or whatever it is they do. Uh, and and it, I'm unclear about whether she's originally from here, whether she's originally from Britain. Because the CNN prep she was written in such a way, it was, I don't, it was just sort of vague about the whole thing. And I'm unclear about whether she's now seeking refuge in the United Kingdom or here in the uh, warm bosom of freedom that is the United States. So we'll find out. Uh, so we'll talk to Steve Katzenbaum. James Roop uh, will be joining us from San Francisco today, where I think Barry Bonds has yet to even find a lawyer. I may be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. I think that he actually is going to court in 48 hours, and he still can't find anybody to represent him. So that's going to end badly. Uh, what else? Brittany Watch coming up today. Uh, Joy of Christmas. A uh, pair of tickets to I Am Legend. I think we'll actually have to do two pair of those today. We didn't get any given away um, yesterday. And, uh, well, and some other... Oh, and i, I got a, a big pile of crap here we're going to get to. We have Tim Riley's top five songs he hated playing as a music DJ. I'm looking at this list, by the way, and it is fantastic. Right here. So these are the uh, top five songs that Tim Riley loathes playing as a DJ. And then tomorrow we'll have Sarah's list uh, on the same subject. So that's all coming up today. Lisa Desjardins, James Roop, Steve Kastenbaum, the top five, Craig Gass, uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be joining us today. And uh, uh, multiple passes to I Am Legend, the exciting new uh, film from William Smith. So uh, that's all on the way. Um, and some other sort of minor things, but that's kind of where we are. Let me just, before we do anything else, before we do introductions or anything, let me just read a couple of emails. Uh, these have all come in within the last, I don't know, this is just this morning. Rick, so... Let's see. Uh, we really are in this huge thickening fog at the moment. Um, is it wrong of me to want to march around the office screaming about the end times and sacrificing children to appease a vengeful God? Please advise. No, it's not wrong at all, sir. I advise that you use something serrated. Uh, how about this? Rick, I'm at the mist. 
I took my girlfriend to see The Mist last night at Lloyd Center. Great movie, and as a bonus, I was not stabbed while inside the mall. But after my shattered soul and I got home and endured a restless sleep filled with giant things chasing me, I awoke this morning to a fog so thick that I don't know what's hiding in it. Great, thanks for the movie recommendation. I am now slightly fearful to leave my own home. Thank you, sir. How about this? Here's another one. This one is from Raymond. Rick, the mist needs a sacrifice. Take the DJ. Uh, and then here's the creepy part. This is from 7.25 a.m. This is exactly the kind of thing you like to wake up to. Rick, this email says, You're not awake yet, I'm sure, but it took all my resolve as I walked my dog by your house this morning to not bang on the front door of your home and yell, Rick, there's something in the mist! <laughs> my resolve and the fact that your wife was more than likely just home from work or sleeping in would have and would have thoroughly beaten me, stopped me from doing it. But really, how creepy is this fog after seeing that soul-sucking film? Uh, best show ever, Ray. P.S. Bring enough bullets to work for everybody. All right, so there you go. So, it's, uh... It was pretty great. I was coming over the Ross Island Bridge today, and there's actually... And, and, I, and I'm sure everybody who's seen that movie had exactly the same thought. As I was coming over the Ross Island Bridge, and you sort of look up toward the hill, which is where, you know, what it would, uh, OHSU, and the, you know, the tram and all that stuff is. And does the tram operate when there's mist like this? Oh, we have to find out. We have to find so out if the tram, the tram runs today. Oh, man, how terrifying would that be? All trammed up, you can't see anything. Um, it, because coming over the bridge, as you get towards the point where, you know, where you, you get over to, um, uh, whatever you get over to to, uh, uh, to the west side, and it starts to bank off to the right, you know, to take you up on the front. But you, just all of the landmarks just slowly recede into nothingness because it's just covered in this thick white fog this morning. And I you know don't that, call it fog. We just have to keep referring mist, to it as mist. And I'm sure that it's happened like a billion times since I've lived here. But this is the first time it's happened since I saw that film. And so now, of course, I'm just. You know, I'm convinced this is some sort of multi-headed hydra waiting out, to, you know, in the recesses of the mist to come and rip out my spine or something. So we got that going for us today. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification today. Hello, Tim. Hello there. I-5 to Seattle may remain closed at least until Friday. Now, we're making that decision. The highway authorities still don't know what damage you're going to find out underneath the water. Uh, right now, they say they're busy, quote, cleaning up garbage, tires, and dead rats everywhere. <laughs> Wonderful. Wait, where? Uh, this is all around I-5. Fantastic. Yeah. Here. And uh, truckers are swelling the back roads around Chehalis looking for a secret route to Seattle. There is no secret route. It's causing more of a bottleneck. Uh, Brittany's mothering skills are once again in question. And by popular demand, I have added the Canadian forklift accident PSA. To my website. So that's RileyLive.com. I don't think I've seen this. Is this where the, the pipes fall on the guy? Yeah, so he's got a head wound. I've got, I got an email yesterday from a guy saying that he said he seemed to feel that the show was now being designed solely to annoy him because he noted that we've been spending an inordinate amount of time lately on things that no one can see if they're not in front of a computer. But it is, it is oh, a I brave new true. world. You know what? But it's a multimedia world. According to the amount of people, there are a lot of people at computers. Oh, you know, there really, there really only two types of people who listen to our show: people who are trapped in cubicles and people who are trapped in cars. Uh, so I guess if you are in the latter category, uh, then some of these things, you know, is sort of a delayed reaction. You just have to wait and watch them when you get home. If you're in the former category, though, and I just have to say this: I have come to the conclusion that there's really not any work being done anywhere because every time we mention something about a video, something online, a web page, something to look at. We go there and immediately it's you know what do you say like 900 people or something viewed that uh, that first Canadian PSA as soon as you were talking yeah. about it. 
And this one, 886 already. And you can't all be unemployed, so I just got, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I just come to the conclusion no one actually works at their job. It's impossible around the holidays to get anyone to do work. It really, oh boy, isn't that the truth? I I was trying to get some renovations done and some trees chopped down. Nobody returns phone calls, so there. No, and you know, and and everybody's too busy standing around near the coffee machine upstairs where there's like a huge thing of bear claws and holiday cookies. No, you know, how much better can I get between now and New Year's? How much better can I get? Let me check today and see if there's anything there. I should. We should have like a reverse weight. The biggest gainer. We should totally have a contest. It, not us, of course, because I don't need any motivation to gain weight. When did you start? We should, why don't you shut up about when I started? That was good, though. Two points for you. We should do some sort of reverse contest where we find a thin person and then we pay them. Uh, why would it, we want to destroy their lives? No, I'm just saying. And then we would give the money to, you know, blah, 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 the children. See how much weight they can gain over a certain amount of time. I like that. That's a good idea. Nobody does that. So instead of you know, like giving people money for like miles they run, yeah, for it's money for pounds, for pounds that they gain. How much food can you shove into your gullet over the course of like three months? No, and I, can I just say that today is a day when I really could have used a snack. It was one of those things. Sometimes you get up and you just got a little, you know, you one little a little nosh, as they say. You just uh, had just. I could have really used some kind of pastry this morning, and then there was nothing. In the last few days, there's been stuff upstairs. There was nothing today, though. It was like it was deliberately set up to taunt me. There has been stuff upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Well, have you ever talked about the secret food? Is this like the um, once a month lunch that oh, you yeah, get spent to that Tim and I get once every six months? That looks funny. Okay, there's no need to be. The stairs are right over there. You're free to go up. It's not like you're trapped down. It's not a prison camp. You're allowed to go upstairs whenever you. Want. You have mailboxes up there. Yeah, we still are confused about this monthly lunch that you're. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you guys have mailboxes upstairs. You know, I know you do, Sarah. It's, it's full I of crap. Box? I do too. Yeah, you never I check it. Go up there. It's full of things. No. I don't know too many folks up there. I know Dave's in. Yeah, and a couple of the guys. He's really the only one you need. Him and Susan. <laughs> because every, all the other faces just sort of rotated and out. Um, uh, okay. So uh, our big storm is out with the Midwest. And uh, it's causing snow in Chicago. Really? And on the east, uh, there's a big blizzard in North Dakota right now. It broke a 1926 record. And Maine has tied an 1890 record. So it's nasty weather all over the country. So is this the same storm that we had that's now sort of floating over the rest of the country? It's in in the Midwest right now. Good. I feel good about that. It's like when that Chernobyl cloud started floating around the world. And I remember they made sure to note whenever it was coming toward Washington State. All right, uh, we got all these uh, phone calls to get through for some reason, so we'll do that. Uh, we're joined today, as are we always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, how are you? Hello. Are you, now, are you nervous about Craig Gass? No, I'm excited. Now, I don't know what he looks like. Is he a physically attractive man? He is now on Sex and the City, not so much. <laughs> now. I guess he put on a bunch of weight, and plus he played a really gross character. Yes. Ooh. I was trying to find it for you, but it's he played a pretty... A loathsome man. Not a loathsome man so much so as just it was kind of disgusting what he did. Yes, um... You gave me sort of the off-air description of this. Now, did he? Is it was it him and the Kim Cattrall character? No, it was him and Cynthia Nixon. Him and Cynthia Nixon. So they met in uh, in Weight Watchers because, because she had... he was he was. Let, let me just say this: they met in Weight Watchers because he was a overeater. He was an overeater. And then eater, and then that continued his overeating when he was uh, with Cynthia Nixon. He continued. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so there was some. Yes, I think oh, I know where we're going so with this. Oh, so wrong too. I was watching that episode the other day. It's a, it's an episode called Cover Girl. Mm-hmm. And was it like they just made him into a big glazed donut? Be yeah. honest. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? There are so many references. <laughs> oh, that's so disgusting. And it's so bad too because um, they talk about the, like on their date they eat Krispy Kremes together. Uh, 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 and then so it's talking uh, about glazing. I know where we're going with this. I really do want to know what he put on his face. All right. 
Well, and we'll be sure to ask him. That? You can lead with that. Oh, you know that he loves it. I know. He's, I mean, that show's going to be played till the end of time. I wonder if he gets. I wonder if he got good residuals. Was it just one episode? Yeah, just one episode. Hey, Tim, if you just have one episode of a show like Sex and the City, do you suppose that you there's like decent residuals on that, or is it like a one-time thing? Do you suppose? No, Jordan. I'm sorry. You're still. <laughs> this is a bad day for me to be talking. Wait, what's wrong with your mouth? I had a crown put in the left side. Oh. <laughs> just you, a few moments ago. Do you get dental work done every week? Because it does it, it seem... It does seem like it, doesn't it? It really does seem like we just... About every nine days, you come in and half of your face doesn't work. About, about every three months. You know I'm you, almost done. You know what you, I don't have about $20,000 more to spend. <laughs> you, know, you know what you sound like sometimes? You sound like... Don't take this the wrong way. You sound like Mary Joe Buttafuoco. I thought you were going to tell me this. I sound like Michael Rankin. No. You don't have enough saliva in your mouth for that. Uh, no, Mary Joe Buttafuoco. Remember, because Amy, after Amy Fisher shot her, like only half of her face works. And oh. so she... I saw my husband. And it was she, she would sit there standing with Joey Buttafuoco in the doorway of their Long Island palace, talking about how she was going to stand by her man. And But it's like the left side of her face was just sort of slack and didn't really work and sort of sagged at a weird angle. That's uh, that's kind of what you sound like today. It's wearing off. Okay. Well, let's try to have you, let's try to get as much talking out of you as we possibly can before it wears off. I want to maximize the comedic potential of this dental mishap. Uh, okay. We just I, real briefly two things uh, we can talk about last night. Also to say that uh, I'm excited to get off the air and go home today because Laura and I bought the greatest thing. We purchased a space age ant farm. We were out. Um, we were out doing some. Uh, we were out doing some uh, some Christmas shopping. This is what a dork I am. This is what a guy I am. This is the highlight of my week. Is going home and setting up my ant farm. They were selling it at Brookstone, and so it's not like your father's ant farm that has sand or whatever. It is a you know it's an enclosed sealed plastic container filled with this sort of blue gelatin. So it's not sand. It's not dirt. It's like a blue gel. That is what they dig their tunnels through, but it's also infused with like their food. So it's actually so it actually feeds them at the same time. You know that Max is gonna knock that thing over, and you're gonna have a house covered in ants. Yeah, no, I, I totally got to keep it to where he can never get to it. Uh, but Max can get anywhere. You know that. He's a he's a super dog. Uh, and, but there are there are then lights embedded in the bottom of it, and because the gel is blue, it lights up at night. So the the ants actually sort of so the whole thing sort of glows at night. It's badass. So that's going to be the highlight of my week is Cynic Van Ant Farm. Hello, I am 34 years of age. Um, so let's talk about last night, though, because I have some notes that I made. Uh, so last night, uh, Sarah and I attended the uh, the music industry party uh, thrown by Terry Courier of uh, Millenni- uh, Music Millennium and uh, some other folks. They did a bunch of record industry people. And didn't win anything. You didn't win. You were the only person in the room with a ticket who didn't win anything. So so we go last night. It was at the Melody Ballroom, which is a cool place. Um, we go in there. There's Terry Courier, who I love. He's a great guy. A Portland icon, a legend, and I got to tell you this: I don't know what the fate of the record industry is, but that guy, if the if, if the record industry and the and the record store industry, whatever their fate may be, that guy's going down swinging. He just man, he oh, goes yeah. all out every year. Just this big, huge Muppet-looking guy on stage, uh, like in a Santa costume, under hot it's lights. It's like a hundred degrees in there. Must, I mean, <laughs> it was so hot, and, and he's wearing and he's drunk, I think, and I think starting to suffer he from heat stroke by the end of the night. So, it, like, by around... Who was the guy with the chest hair? Who's his partner? Oh, I don't know. He had a guy with, like, the full-on... Oh, oh, uh, Jason. I got another guy named Jason. He was awesome. Just a huge chest hair. And just, yeah, but by the end of the night, everybody is sweating and drunk, and it's, like, smoky, and it's just wonderful and terrible. So we're there at the music industry party, and um, 
you know, there's like a, they're doing the big raffle at the end, and it's like all of these, uh, you know, it's like, hey, here's an autographed police concert poster signed but by the all raffle goes on, band like, members. The raffle's the party. Like, the raffle goes on for hours. It was like a two-and-a-half-hour drawing of tickets as Terry Krieger is, like, giving away things. You know, and it's some of the things are, you know, small little things, like here's 20 bucks at, you know, some restaurant. And then he was giving away, he gave away a guitar uh, autographed by Leslie West from Mounted. And was, you know, this is all kinds of prizes. But I did write down a couple brief observations from last night. Now, when did you start drinking, Sarah? Because I didn't get there till around 9. No, I only had one drink. Really? Yeah. Were they making them strong? <laughs> no. Do you remember saying I this? Was I was hot and frustrated. Well, because everybody, your ticket was 418, and they kept drawing like 419. 814. Yeah, both my friends I came with, they both won these glorious prizes, and I brought them. Byron Beck won something. Byron's boyfriend won Ron something. Won something. Alicia, my friend Alicia won two things. Every single person who was at the raffle last night with the ticket won something except for Sarah. And this is the best, this is the highlight right here, this quote. At one point last night, there was a woman uh, who was about 10 feet away from us who won. It was something pretty cool. It was like, I don't know, like a $150 gift certificate to like a spa or something. It was, you know, a, a decent prize. And so the woman, though, is just very nonplussed by the whole thing. She's very just sort of, you know, she doesn't seem excited. She doesn't seem grateful to have won. So Sarah, in a voice that I think you thought was much quieter than no, it really I was. No, I I was pissed. Sarah actually yells this at the party. Uh, this is a direct quote. I wrote this down. Sarah yells out in this room full of people that <laughs> we ought to be nice to. Sarah yells out, act like a winner, you ungrateful whore. <laughs> Which is really like the, like the best moment of the entire night. No, I don't think you realize about this uh, this about me. Like, a lot of times when I say crazy things, I'm not drinking. Act, I'm just I was very angry. Act like a winner, you ungrateful whore. I did yell that at yes, her. Yes, you did. She was an ungrateful whore. <laughs> she got a two hundred dollar like spa package, and I'm like sitting there just like hoping I can get like a. Oh, I don't know, like a Hootie and the Blowfish CD, <laughs> and I get nothing, and she gets a $200 prize, and she's like, oh, and she's like shuffling up to the stage. Right. Oh, I was going to attack her. Let's kill her. Uh, let's see. But uh, yes, I didn't win anything. And we do have to note that the other big prize of the evening that nobody won was, I swear to God, <clears throat> I am not making this up, a Daria O'Neill clock. I, I thought I was going to win that. I thought they were screwing with us. I thought they were just making it up. Is it shaped like her? Yeah, it really is only uh, it's only three and nine o'clock on that uh, on that timepiece. I'm sorry, I was trying to do something. I was trying to do like a, a boob joke there, but it didn't really come together for me. Um, no, it's just it's like a, it's like yeah, a wall clock. And then a clock. drunken Byron comes right out. He's like, "When am I?" Where's the Rick Emerson clock? But I I thought that they were sort of making it up. Because Terry says, and God bless Terry, Terry's, you know, he's trying to give away as many things as possible, so he's not going to turn down anything. But he actually says it when he goes, our next prize is a Daria wall clock. And I mean, I mean, I just don't it even know how to feel about it. It is sort of strange. I mean, you know, whatever. Um, and it right. seems like, like putting people and things on clocks is kind of past that time. Yeah. You know, I remember I have a Rocky Horror Picture Show clock, and now I'm kind of like, what do I do with it? But do, you know what? i got to tell you this. There was like 50 pounds of sausage out in the lobby, though. They had all that food. They, they had main... all that amazing food, and they were giving out cash prizes. Like, yeah. at one well, point, they had a better about it. You're still angry. You're still <laughs> furious about not winning anything. You know, and my friends all won something, and they were getting so mad at me, but as the prizes were getting bigger and bigger, I'm like, no, no, no. You know, it's my time it is down. coming. Yeah. I'm going to get it. And then Your time wasn't lessons. coming at all. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Uh -oh. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks for joining. Bye now. 
Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, it's Ben what? in Beaverton. Hello, sir, Ben in Beaverton. What's up? Hey, uh, regards to your uh, weight gain contest, have yeah. you ever been to thespark.com? To what? Thespark.com. Spark.com, as in uh, Frank Francis Albert Roger uh, Kilo? Spark, as in Spark Club. Thespark. Anyways. Just can't hear a single thing. Yes, go ahead. Anyways, they've done uh, a few contests. One of them was a weight gain contest. Uh, it was between two people. The two could gain 30 pounds in 30 days, I think. Uh-huh. And then uh, some other ones where they took a big plate of raw meat and, uh, like, put it in their neighbor's yard and, like, studied it over the next 30 days. And they, like, took pictures and made scientific comments about a plate of rotting meat. Excellent. Uh, they also did the same thing, with, like, in a mall. They, they took a plate of meat and hid it in a mall somewhere. Uh, but it got so you're saying the weight gain thing has been done? Uh, yes, uh, but not like a weight gain marathon. It's like a weight gain competition. All right. Well, all right. Well, you can't blame me for trying. All right. Thank you. We're still trying to find out if the thank you, sir. And we're still trying to find out if the tram is running today. I haven't heard from anybody yet. I'm looking. Let's see. Um, yeah, I see nobody. Nobody is. Nobody. Everybody said that they're looking into, it, but nobody's found out yet. I'm looking here. Tram. Tram. No? Rick, okay, here we go. Rick, the tram is running just fine. Uh, I've ridden through it several times. It's nice and dramatic. Um, listen to this. This is so great. This guy says, I also yelled, there's something in the mist. It took John Lee while walking <laughs> along Macadam Avenue, sidewalk to the tram station this morning, and then chuckled. That's fantastic. We should, okay, I know this sounds like a stupid radio bit, but we really ought to get some people to go stand where the mist is heavy today and just start screaming that something in the mist took John Lee. But you know what sucks is that, you know, as you pointed out before, nobody's seeing the mist, so nobody will really know what you're talking about. That's true. About. It will really just be us and the people in this audience who get it. Um, I don't have time to do this today, but we did get some more wacky prepared comedy uh, over the fax machine this morning, and this is these are zany holiday uh, promotions that your radio station could do. Like, if you have no imagination for your... And it actually says, for your morning show... Wacky holiday bits. Uh, so we'll talk about those uh, later on. Uh, let's just do a couple of these, and then we'll break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins. Hello, sir, madam, is the case maybe. How's it going? Hello, what's up? Uh, I just wanted to know if you've seen the uh, Two Girls, One Cup song. The John Mayer song? No, it's not John Mayer. It's some other guy. Uh, but, he, but it's like the really it's like the really pleasant, happy John Denver yeah. type, you know. Yeah. Two girls, one yeah. cup. And he's like strumming an acoustic guitar in a park. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, I actually saw somebody the other day wearing a two girls, one cup shirt. Oh, uh, my. God. Walking downtown. And it was like the two women, but you know, like the um, the women from the from the bathroom door sign that indicates men or women. It's just sort of the weird, like stick person, yep. but with a skirt, so you can tell it's a woman. It was two of them holding hands, and then in the middle is like a Dixie cup, and oh. it, and it just and it just said like cup love at the bottom. Oh. Yeah. And you know, there's two girls, one finger now too. Yeah, let's not finger. <laughs> All right, think, think about that at lunchtime. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Bye now. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, so, okay, so we'll take a break here. Coming up, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Katzenbaum, Craig Gass, uh, who will be uh, performing this weekend in Vancouver, who will be in the studio with us today. Tim Riley's top five hated songs as a DJ. Uh, Clergy Watch, Britney Watch, I Am Legend tickets, all that. You say that's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back. Yeah, so I'm running behind, but my body clock is about 12 minutes off today. 
So my uh, my caffeine will take effect any moment now. I was in the department head meeting this morning to, trying to speak intelligently. That didn't really happen. There's a whole lot of... Uh, so, it's just like that. Wow, Spival. you must have impressed our new boss. That's true. <laughs> so, Rick, what's going on at the station? Me no talk good. It's 503 It's the Rick Emerson radio program. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Coming up here in just a skosh, we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, Steve Castamon coming up uh, as well. Later on, we'll do the uh, top five. Uh, comedian Craig Gass. I don't know if he's a comedian or a comic. I don't really know the difference. I think it's, it's like a six of one, half a dozen of the other thing. Um, it, who is, uh, and just somebody emailed me over the break and they're like, hey, I thought you already had the Tenacious D. He's not the Tenacious D guy on. Kyle Gass is the guy from Tenacious D. Craig Gass is the guy. We had him on the phone. We did a, There's a promo that floating around somewhere for this show that has him on it. Uh, Craig Gass is the guy. He does a the calling card for him, in my estimation, anyway. He's he's sort of um, his sort of calling card is the is the dead on Sam Kinison impression that he does. And I guess he was just on a reality show. Uh, I guess he does a dead on um, Al Pacino. He does Al Pacino. He does a weird thing. He does, and I think he might have done this when he was on with Howard. He doesn't like an Al Pacino's baby thing but he does um al pacino his whole thing is to do i mean i'm speaking for him now but i think he he would tell you his whole thing is to do impressions that like nobody else does like his thing is to do impressions that just you know because how many guys can about to do christopher walken or william shatner or something um so his thing is he does al pacino he does kinnison he does paul stanley and uh gene simmons and uh you know, just a whole a whole passel of things. Um and then I guess he's done yeah, and he's done you know some small acting roles and whatnot too. So that's coming up uh later on. Let me just before we do anything else, let me plunge on ahead uh with this and it looks like I think Lisa's actually a little little uh, He does a Dennis Miller impression. Does he? Yes, okay he does Hold on, no. He does yourself. uh Tom Arnold, Morgan Freeman, Sam Kennison, Gilbert Gottfried, uh Samuel Jackson, Tracy Morgan, Al Pacino, Adam Sandler, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley Christopher Walken and Owen Wilson. See, and the great thing about that is, is because, and you, I mean, you all know that. I just, we typically just hate comedians so much because they're all, they're just bad, and they're never, and they're just, they're always just a holes, and they're not funny, and it's impossible to do any sort of a normal interview with them. I remember they, you were really impressed with him. I was, well, again, because, uh, you know, because I didn't really know that much about him. Um, and so it's like the bar is set so low in some ways because as long as a comedian isn't like an out and out hack, uh, we're just they were completely blown away. You did also, by the way, Sarah said the greatest thing during the break. I came in and Sarah's like slathering makeup onto her I'm face. I'm slathering. It's a little It's slathering. very dark in here. I know, and now I can't get it up. I put on too much blush. Because because you're excited to have your picture taken with Craig Gass of Sex and the City. You're not fame. supposed to say that. What if he's listening on the drive over? And he's he probably listening right now. He's probably Thank in the you. lobby. Uh, our friend Mike Chase hooked us up with that, and Mike actually, Mike actually said the thing. He goes, he goes, so hey, uh, Rick, it's uh, Chase. Yeah, Gas will come by uh, tomorrow, be on the show, and then probably do a Marconi. So he kind of likes just hanging around radio stations. So if you just see him sort of like sleeping on a couch somewhere, don't be, don't be freaked out. Is he a lurker? I guess he's sort of the Carl Weathers. Apparently right, this in the sounds comedy like world. it was, it might have been made up. So I'm looking at his Wikipedia entry, and it says he required his particular talent of imitating characters and actors by learning to speak as a child from watching television because both of his parents and sister are completely deaf. Oh, no, he told us that. He, um, yeah, he told us that on the phone, I think. I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure he mentioned that his family, that there was, uh, most of them, all of them, something that, yeah, that they, um, they were deaf, and so he, 
in some weird... Oh, yeah, and then you guys bonded over being raised by the television, kind of. Yeah, but I forget exactly how it is that the deafness then in his family then impacted the way that he does He said he grew up imitating the voices he heard on TV. Because he didn't have... Oh, so he... Yeah, so that's he nobody really... He had a neutral... That's really bizarre. With a family unable to serve as a model for how to speak, he grew up imitating voices on TV. See, that, that's the thing is, I don't care if it's true or not. That's a that's genius awesome. story. I don't even... You, you, even if it's completely fabricated, and it's probably not, even if it is, it's genius. All right, there you go. Well done. Um, but, but just and we'll get to we'll get Lisa here in just one second. But so Sarah said the the best thing as we went into the break today. And I do apologize for how scattered today's program sounds. It's just me. I'm and waiting for my calling me out. What I'm waiting for my to brain you? to gel today. It's like what are you like? How many drinks have you had after I'm like sober yelling at some lady and then you're saying I look like a hooker? I did not say that. That is a complete revision of the text. As we just went into the break. Sarah is, now look, Sarah and I are both pasty Northwest people. Let's just be honest about it. We're the whitest of the white. And it's kind of dimly lit in here. And so Sarah is sort of planning on having her picture taken with Craig Gass because of his, because she has a secret crush on him. Because no. of his appearance on Sex in the City where she found him very sexy and alluring. Okay, no, because he plays the grossest character on Sex in the City. Anyway, but we go to the, okay. but, but this is completely true that we go into the break and Sarah's like putting on some, what we might call prominent makeup. <laughs> and Sarah says this as we go to the break. She goes, well, I'm really not trying to look like a hooker, but and then as she's like, yeah, the I'm lipstick lip on. Gloss. This is gloss. This is lip gloss. Yeah. And then I came back There's in. Some blush, but I can't control the the consistency of the blush because it's all dark in here. So I go and I look like someone like punched me in the face twice. <laughs> I, so I, I come back in and she's sort of angrily shoving her makeup back into her purse, going, "I look like a clown. Are you happy now?" <laughs> so a hooker clown. Let's welcome now to the Rick Thanks, Emerson Rick. show. Yeah. Hooker. From the hills, singing the radio correspondent. I'm so sorry you had to hear all of that. Uh, Lisa Desjardins, yeah, hello. I'm trying to paint it as a pretty picture for Lisa when she knows that you're just being a jerk to me. Hi, Lisa. Well, hello. How are you today? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Lisa, he told me I look like a hooker. I didn't say anything of the sort. I and merely... he continuously keeps calling me out, saying after I was going to have this plan where I wouldn't look creepy, I... and I was going to try and ask for his picture, and then Richie was going to come in, and now he like totally foiled my you plan. You know, you d you self-described as a hooker. I was merely agreeing with you because uh, I understand see, that come on. you're supposed Free... to agree with women. You're, kill you're killing me. I deal with politicians all day, and you're trying to sell this? I don't know. <laughs> it's not working. You should just cut your losses and apologize. Well, what could you do? I mean, look, I mean, some men pay good money for hookers. I mean, it's not like a bad thing. What is wrong with you? I'm just saying. Don't make me get started on you. Don't make me hurt your feelings. That's all I'm hey, saying. No, look, you, you, taught, you said it. I merely repeated it. In no way did I describe you as a hooker. I simply just nodded as you... You said a clown hooker. Well, no, that is true. I did say that. I have heard that, yes. Yeah. No, because you said... First it was a hooker, and then when we came back from the break, you decided you look like a clown. So I decided just to merge the two. <laughs> hey, look, it's not like I look any better today. So, you know... The it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and there's no amount of makeup that's going to make me look good. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? How's your day going? Damage is done. Good. How are you? I am fantastic. Except the entire city is covered in a, in a creepy white marshmallow-like mist this morning. So, oh, we've got snow here in Washington. Well, here's the thing. Have you seen the Frank Darabont film The Mist now playing in a multiplex near you? No, but I have seen the original, is it not called The Fog, with Jamie Lee Curtis, which I would say was a good movie. Yeah, The Fog is okay. Uh, the Fog yeah, I is thought a... it would surprise me. I thought it would be terrible. I, I actually thought it was all right. The Fog is a John Carpenter film. Not too bad. It's a decent film. 78, I think, is when that came out. 81, nice. something like that. Uh, the Mist, which is based on the Stephen King novella of the same name. 
uh, starring Thomas Jane and Andre Browers in it as well. That is in, and Marsha Gay Harden. That is in theaters now. I strongly urge you to see it. It oh, is, really? Great. No, no, really, honestly, in my, it's, become, it's been a little bit of an obsession for the people on the show for the last really? few days. It's, it, it is phenomenally good, not uh, for the faint of heart and not something to see on a day when you're already feeling depressed. Oh, outstanding. It's, all right. It's a little bit of a downer. So that's okay. all I'm, I'm going to say. And the less you know about the story, the better. Uh, so I will not st- spoil any of the, st- the story, any of the happenings, the developments in any way. It's just to say that you really ought to go into the film sort of completely, you know, go into it completely cold, not knowing anything. But it's uh, perfect. I would say it's the best American horror film or in the top three anyway of the last decade. So you really ought to see it. Okay, got done. All right, uh, just there's, I mean, there's no way to do like a smooth segue into this, but I know I'm so <laughs> unclear about this because I thought the Supreme Court at one point said mm. that they weren't going to take up the issue of all these guys uh, that are at Guantanamo Bay mm-hmm. just sort of hanging out. Have they reversed themselves, or have I just got this wrong somehow? No, you got it right. They did reject this case initially. They said they weren't going to hear this case, but then they changed their minds and it, uh, reversed themselves. You, you know, you, not the legal term reversed, but essentially said, no, we will hear this case. And when they did that, this was back in the spring, they announced that they would be hearing this Guantanamo case. Actually, there's two cases, but they're similar. Uh, that happened just after uh, someone who, uh, one of, I believe it's one of the uh, military's legal men at Guantanamo, formerly, came out saying that the legal process at Guantanamo is severely flawed and that there really is, is not an opportunity uh, for any detainee there to... Uh, face either their charges or kind of get any kind of shot at, at looking at why they're being held there. Well, this is... So after that came out in the Supreme Court, now we don't know that they're related, but it was very, it was interesting timing. It, it, it felt like it might be. Now, color me dumb here, but the, the, the guys who are at Guantanamo, these are not, are these citizens or enemy combatants or a mixture of both? I mean, who's there? And I mean, how, I mean, because it doesn't seem like there is any process to speak of there. It is. It, the Bush administration refers to the men there. It's about 305 men that we're talking about in this case uh, as enemy combatants, and these are foreigners. They're foreign-born, uh, picked up abroad, and and you know they're not all necessarily affiliated with Al Qaeda, but there are some very prominent Al Qaeda suspects among them. But it also includes, uh, for example, in the case today, uh, a Bosnian uh, who was accused of, of plotting against the U.S., wanting to join the fight against the U.S. And, uh, with other groups. So th- there are a lot of people involved. And it's interesting, yesterday uh, I mentioned this, that I talked to Lindsey Graham um, about other things, but he, he also told, he admitted, he's a Republican senator from South Carolina, and he admitted to me, he said, you know, I think some, some of the people at Guantanamo Bay should be there the rest of their lives because they are that dangerous, but... Some of the people there, I think, were caught when we put out too wide of a net. And, and that's really the concern here before the court. You're right. One of the, argue, the detainees are arguing that, in fact, they don't have a process to challenge uh, their detention there. The U.S. government says, no, there is a military tribunal system, which Congress passed last year, that gives you that opportunity. And that's true, but there are questions about whether that tribunal system uh, is actually operating. At one point, the U.S. was saying we'll do five cases a year. It's not clear they've really gone through with that. And, and so it, it seems like it may be a system on paper. Even on paper, it's not clear that these detainees concede the charges against them necessarily. So the Supreme Court has to decide when dealing with these enemy combatants, what rights do these men have? Do they have the same rights uh, as U.S. citizens or others in, in the U.S. system who are charged with crimes? 
or is this a situation where this is like war and uh, these are enemy combatants picked up on the battlefield? Of course, we, this war, is, there's not going to be a truce signed in this war. There's not going to be a time when this war ends uh, like World War II. So there are a lot of issues here with these guys. This is a huge case, and today, actually, several of the justices uh, gave the U.S. Um, representative, the Solicitor General, a run for his money, really grilled him. Uh, just sort of segueing to something else real briefly before we yeah. before we make way for Steve Kastenbaum will be joining us. Just uh, on a hey. side note, I don't know if you saw this thing about Mike Huckabee. Uh, he was in, uh, I think he was he was in Des Moines, and he was at a press conference, and he got hit with the creationism taught in schools question, um, and it, it, which isn't really the issue to me. The issue is, and you and I talked about this the other day, how he is becoming. It's you know it is I guess. As you become the front runner, as you be, be, become perceived to have any sort of ascendance or any sort of momentum to you, man, it's like it really is like the vultures just start stalking you, uh, and the questions become more and more pointed. And whether it's from people in your own party who are trying to take you down before the end of the primary, or whether it's from people in the opposing party, I have noticed that really the questions to him have gotten more and more loaded, uh, and, and the questioning has become a little more aggressive over the last couple of days. Um, so it'll be interesting right. to see Definitely how this unfolds. Has. That's because he's he's really, he's number two nationally. He's number one in Iowa, and I think that's to some degree that's as it should be, but to another degree, it it really is scratching and clawing from from the other candidates. Which is fantastic. So yeah, um, you would be happy about that. Well, I'm just feeling nihilistic today. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, right? I know. Every, get out of get out of your way. I know. Sarah, Sarah was just in your path for a minute, and she came out as a. Well, you know, if we're clown. not talking about Rick Emerson. It's not interesting. It's not my fault. The studio is dimly lit. It's really, and the cameras here seem to be under flashed uh, when they take photos. That's. But I, you could you could see that's again like political talk. You could change that if you want to. You could bring in a lamp. What's all this talk? It's everybody else's fault. He could bring in lamps, Lisa. You're right. Um, dare to dream. I promise incandescent <laughs> lighting in every studio. Amen. Uh, all right. Uh, well, it seemed like I had something else to say, but I forget what it was. But if you go see The Mist, though, it really okay. is... It is. I'll tell you this. It is not a. It is not a walk in the park. It is not. The, it is not a Sunday picnic of a film. It is. Uh, it is very dark, uh, pretty relentlessly harrowing and grim. But it is fantastically made, and it's by the guy who made the Shawshank Redemption. So he does need your support. So, okay. Uh, so please to go see that, and then uh, you, then we can uh, kind of drill you for your assessments on the film. All right, done. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, Lisa. You too. All right, Bye. Uh, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. All right. Jesus, I don't even know. I don't even know what we're doing here. Let me just. Um, we got. I think Steve Kastenbaum coming up here in, in just a few. Um, oh, I think that's actually that's him right, right there. Now. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to put this thing aside. I'll have to put this other story aside there. There's just. There's so much news today. Uh, it's just it's flowing in it, like uh, like a thing over the. And I forgot the Richie Bristol pa uh, factoid today. Ah. That's okay. We'll days. take a break and you can drink your coffee. You know what it's gonna be today. Today is one of those days where my brain is like a Commodore VIC-20, uh, with no hard drive, no tape drive, no external memory port. I basically have 16K available in my head, and about 12 of it is taken up with the operating system, which means that I can only keep one thought in my head at a time. I am today fundamentally a talk radio goldfish. Uh, hi, Steve Kastenbaum. Welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. How are you, sir? Pretty good. How are you? You know, I'm really dumb today. And I don't mean that in the sense of silly. I don't mean that in the sense of the merit or worth of this program. I simply mean my brain isn't really operating today. I would say that the number of synapses that I have correctly functioning it can be counted on less than one hand. 
It happens to the best of them. Yes, it does. But you know, I'm just I'm going to play through it though. I'm a, I'm a professional. You know, I'll muscle through the pain. But you know, it's what I do. Um, let's clarify a little bit as we sort of wrap up this insane story about this uh, this teacher who I guess they were going to. I don't know, whatever it is they do, run you out of town on a rail and then dismember you uh, for naming this teddy bear Mohammed or something. Mm-hmm. First of all, now she's a British school teacher, but is she now is she back in Britain or is she in America? Where is she now? She's um, last I heard she's uh, back in uh, England and she's with family and happy to be there. I guess my thing was somebody told us that it was that she named the teddy bear Mohammed, but, but that was in turn because she was naming him after a child in the class. No, no, actually what happened was uh, the children in the class were asked to vote on names for their teddy bear. It was sort of a class project. You know, they would take the teddy bear home for a week, uh, would uh, write a little uh, essay on what the teddy bear did that entire week, and so she asked the kids to vote on what they wanted to name the bear, and the overwhelming majority in her class said Muhammad. So I guess some of the parents... (laughs) When they brought the bear home, uh, a few of them might have taken offense to that, and that's how the word got out that this bear had been, this teddy bear had been named Muhammad. Let me, let me ask you a little bit of a loaded question because it was what was it about a year and a half ago? Was it in Denmark where right. the cartoonist drew the picture of Muhammad, and exactly. then there was a whole lot of looting and burning, and he he had you know pitchforks and killed the monster. Right. Uh, is that is stuff like? That uh, stories like, uh, you know, uh, like I remember then the Taliban, you know, in Afghanistan a few years ago, they blew up those, you know, statues that were 2,000 years old or whatever. Um, do stories like that, where there's this seemingly disproportionate and, dare I say, crazy response to, to, to what we in the Western world might consider a very small infraction, does stuff like that happening more, or has, has that always happened and we just didn't really notice or pay attention to it? It's hard to say. I mean, there are definitely uh, political forces at work here who capitalize on the sensitivities of um, more uh, more fundamentalist Muslim populations, and they use this to their advantage to get populations worked up, uh, you know, for political ends. And this is certainly happening in some of these cases. Whether or not uh, we just didn't take notice in the past if this is happening more, I, I don't know. But it, it's certainly some some of the driving force behind some of these mass demonstrations is definitely politically motivated. All right. Well, I guess so, I, I, I was going to say I spoke to this incredible woman who actually went to that high school, and she lives here in the U.S. now. And she was trying to explain it to me how you know, yeah, here in the, here in the West, we understand what a teddy bear is, but in that Sudanese culture, especially in the Sudan, you know, they they never even saw teddy bears before most people. So when they hear that uh, a teddy bear has been named Muhammad, it's a great offense to them because they they picture a big beast, man-eating beast, you know, who's dumb and aggressive, and, and that's where the insult lies. Well, clearly, uh, the answer is we just need to uh, we just need to blanket the entire globe. Uh, we just need to get our, you know, the, get those AC-130s over there and just be dumping teddy bears over the entire globe so they can be acclimated to the teddy bear <laughs> way of life, and then they won't be... Seriously, it's like I do feel at some points, like, if we were just able to stick, like, you know, I don't know, like a sizzler and a Taco Bell and, like, a gap everywhere... Uh, you know, then at least we would all sort of be on the same cultural page, and maybe some of these things would be minimized. It's, it's one of those things where you just sort of get a sense of, of like, normalcy spinning off its, a, off its axis, which is why the story was so kind of weirdly fascinating to me, just like the Mohammed cartoon. So, yeah, all right. It, it, it is kind of strange, but then there are some folks who say, you know, when you go to a country that's got some uh, very extreme differences um, when compared to, uh, to the U.S. Or, or England or Canada, 
or, or most of Europe. When, when you go to some place that has, you know, drastic differences, you have to sort of know what you're getting into when, when you head to those places. Let me say this as we wrap this up, sort of apropos of nothing. Um, <laughs> I know that you are a uh, you are an enthusiast of Broadway and all the entertainment that one might find there. Yeah. Um, opening, I believe it opened three days ago, two days ago, something, the new Aaron Sorkin play, The Farnsworth Invention. Uh, yeah, you know that's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention here. I man, guess. I saw it uh, in La Jolla. I was actually privileged enough. Uh, our uh, our friend uh, Kara, who's a good friend of this program, I was very privileged uh, in March of this year that I got to see the very first full. Yeah, it was actually the, 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 the whatever you call it, the preview night, the like final dress rehearsal or whatever. I was able to see the the first. Um, run of that, the first performance of it. I actually got to meet Aaron Sorkin that night, which is really great. And um, But it's a fantastic play. Um, if you're a fan of that slice of American history, which is you know the creation of television and the battle between Philo Farnsworth and David Sarnoff about who's going to own TV and who's going to own the technology, if you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin and his playwrights, you really ought to see it. It's, it's pretty fantastic. So no, uh, I, I definitely will, will see if I can get tickets now. That, that sounds like a great play. I wanted to go see Bronx Tale is out there now. Uh, Bronx Tale, I also want to see. I didn't even know that that had been a play until you told me about it. But if anybody who works in the media, in broadcasting, anything like that, or is just sort of a, you know fascinated by the media and how it's sort of unfolded and been created over the last hundred years, uh, the Farnsworth Invention is really an exceptional piece of writing. It's uh, it's fantastic. So, all right, my friend, uh, we will talk to you soon. Happy Hanukkah to you from everybody at the Rick Emerson Show. Thank and, you very uh, much. I lit a candle last night. Thank you. Thank you. We will have speaks with you in the immediate future. Enjoy your day, my friend. Sounds good. So. Thank you. There you go, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. You know, it feels like today. Huh. I'm trying to. It's like someone has um, filled my head uh, full of um, cement or something, like some sort of weird cement-filled Twinkie. It's like my head has just been. It's like someone took a, took the top off the you know my of my brain and just filled it with some sort of fast-setting concrete and then put the top of my head back on. I don't know what it is. I just got a whole thing going on today. Have you eaten? I had a well. Did you have a donut? No. No, no, no. I had like a little, like a, whatever, like a cliff bar or something. I was actually going to have two of them, but then the other one hung up on the machine and wouldn't fall out. So that was a bad start <laughs> to the day. And I'm sitting there. Those are always the worst for you because I can hear you all the way in here beating those. Well, things. you can't even, uh, see, this. Uh, you can't even do that uh, because the vending machine guy, Eric, who we love, Eric's but dead. he's actually... It, every week he comes in and he, you know, he refills the vending machine. And the thing is, every week he shoves the vending machine back flush against the wall. And then over the course of the week, as items are purchased but then not received because they hang up on the little coil, people, and by people I mean Fat Boy and Brian Jones, uh, jiggle the machine and they, they, you know, they jigger the machine Jeremy's around. the best at that. Yeah, and so the machine gets pulled farther and farther up the wall. But, but then when Eric comes back in to fill the vending machine in the kitchen, he... Stocks it, closes it, locks it, and shoves it back up against the wall. And I am not a big guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a small, spindly man. And so, and underfed. You're skinny fat. I am. I'm a thin, fat person. And so, because the machine is pushed flush against the, the kitchen wall, and it weighs like a billion pounds, it is impossible to jiggle. It's, there's, no, I'm, I, there's no handhold. There's nowhere you can grab to shake the machine. And I'm just not strong enough to like just do it, you, you know, kind of standing. You onto it like a monkey on the side. You know what Fat Boy it. does? Have you ever seen Fat Boy getting food out of that machine when it's stuck? It is terrifying because it's the... It's well, because you can sense he has some inner anger anyway. I can see him taking it out on the Don't you sense machine. that he's going to... Don't you sense that he, he's capable like he's of killing some people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't say that. Oh, no, no, no. I think he'll spare us. You think? No. Um, the thing about the vending machine is, though, it's got the thing where the dispensing uh, door is down 
at the bottom. It is a long horizontal door that you you know where you where you retrieve your candy or whatever. So when something is stuck in the machine, Fat Boy is the most terrifying thing. Exactly, just like King Kong, Richie's put on the screen, where he gets up and he puts his feet into the door at the bottom, hand on the top, and then goes er, 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 rampage style and oh shakes the machine. And exactly, because we all have the same thought, which is if that machine tips forward, there is no way he's getting out of the way of that thing, and he's going to lose his legs. And he's going to end up like my father-in-law. He's just got to ask himself, is the candy bar really worth it? Apparently the answer to that is always yes. Because, and I've learned, here's how much it terrifies me to see him climb on the vending machine. When something is stuck or I pay for food but don't get it, I no longer complain about it within earshot of him. Because he'll go in and climb up on the machine, jam his feet into the door and start... Like, he sticks his feet in there? That's what I'm saying. And that's the thing, if the machine ever tips over, he is hosed. I mean, he's going to be a thin boy at that point. So I don't... Uh, you know, flat boy? Flat boy. He'll be flat Stanley. So anyway, it's terrifying. you got to watch him do it just once so you can have that in your nightmares. Take a break. We come back. Tim Riley, have ye news for us? Uh, yes, I do. How's your mouth? It's approximately three-quarters of the way functioning. All right. When you do this, do you ever feel like this is a little bit of a preview for, like, you know, when you're 80 years old and a stroke just hits you one day? No, the dentist will find more work when I'm 80 years old. We'll get start the whole procedure again. It's safe. All right. Back after this, here's the descendants on the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson radio program. I'm going to bitch about that thing, but not not for a second. We'll get underway and then I'll complain. Ladies and gentlemen, at the minute, Well, see, I'm setting the bar so you'll sound really normal. It's time for the Rick Emerson New yeah. News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of No pressure. This is Tim Riley. And stop making me laugh because it hurts. <laughs> Everyone no. call now and make Tim Riley laugh. I'm serious. Okay. No, usually usually when I laugh, I've gotten used to the fact that my contacts roll into the back of my head, and it takes a minute for them to roll back so I can see. I can deal with that. That's an everyday thing. But I, I think I got too much of an overcame this morning for my comfort. Now, but if I may ask this now, why? Okay, so you got a, a crown? A crown, yes. A crown. Uh, so... So the laughter makes it hurt because the Novocaine is wearing off? No, it makes it hurt because I can feel one side of my mouth go up, but I, it feels like it's in pain, but it really isn't. Now, here's a dumb question. Yes. What, what is the na- I mean, why is that a painful procedure? I don't really know anything about getting a crown. Why? What is the What is the nature of the pain? Well, is they it? cut off a part of your tooth. Oh, that would hurt. And then you have a porcelain cover that goes on top of it. Oh, I see. So but- you have to be... You know, when you open up that opening to the air, there's an extreme pain that goes all the way down so to the So you do not road. have the crown on it? Now I have the crown on it now. So the air, but the air still somehow gets in and gets to the nerve or whatever. No, it did once they they give you a temporary crown. Oh, I see. And once they take that off and get it ready for the other crown, ah, it's open to the air. I see. So if they didn't give you an overcan, 
you would be in a bad bed. And uh, once when I had my old dentist over on 82nd, they did not give you an overcame when they took the temporary off. You sat there in pain and they said, well, we're sorry. There's nothing you can do. Here's you a rag to bite something. on. Would you like to squeeze this rubber tube? But now I have a very nice dentist, and she's a nice lady. Excellent. You know what's weird is, and this is not just at the dentist, but is it any procedure when they've numbed something up, mm-hmm. and then they just start hacking bits of it away? It's the weirdest sensation when they are doing work on your body, in your head, in your mouth, whatever. Well, like the the medical hair restoration thing is the same way, where they give you, you know, whatever they're like, have this Valium, and here's a shot, and then you like feel a thing like jabbing at you, and you're like, well, I can sense that it's there. And the creepy thing sometimes, this is why I think they give you Valium beforehand, at least, with like with the the, the medical hair restoration, I think they give you Valium to, not for the pain, because Valium's not a painkiller. Well, it makes you very lethargic. And because I think otherwise, you would get really freaked out by this. Here's here's what I think. Needles? Oh, you didn't get a needle for your uh, uh, hair procedure. Well, no, they do. They give you a little local anesthetic mm. uh, before they do that. Because, you know, they're going to be start in there. jabbing at your scalp. So, they yeah, they give you, a, a, you know, it's, it's complete, it really is completely and totally painless. But mm. But the thing about it is... You're sitting there, and you can sort of feel the pressure on it. Just like when they're doing your teeth, you can feel the pressure of the drill or the whatever on your teeth, and you start to get this thought in your head. You start to realize how the only thing between you and mind-numbing, excruciating pain is a little thin layer of chemicals that could fail at any moment. That's the thing. You, you yeah. start to realize it's it's like seeing pain through a layer of plexiglass, and you kind of go, God, look at all that pain out there. It's just waiting to kill me at the, the instant this anesthetic fails. So, Well, they know if they give me a little extra, I'm more agreeable, and the procedure goes by. <laughs> and the bill can be whatever, and you'll gladly pay it. That'll be $94,000. No problem. Yep, I'm glad Yeah, fantastic. So, so do you uh, get the gas? No, I don't anymore. You could. Uh, you know, the dental insurance used to cover that. They don't anymore. Well, that sucks. Now, does the gas... I've never had the gas. Oh, it's it's euphoric. Here's the... Is it really laughing gas? Do you really laugh? It's hilarious, yes. Um, the thing about I mean, it... I, I, this is back when I had a dentist in St. John's, and you need to laugh. Your problem's away when you're <laughs> looking out the window. They ought to just pipe it into the air. They ought to just blanket St. John's and just a, a mm-hmm. thick layer of nitrous oxide all the time. The thing is, um, I have always just had the needle when I go to the dentist, and right now I don't really, I mean... Needles are still, they're still huge. Yes. Why can't they make small needles or a pill with a needle in it? Let me ask you this. Would you, a pill with a needle in it? (laughs) I gladly That doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense. Oh, I need a pill filled with needles, please. Well, swallow it with a little bit of water. It'll be fine. Uh-huh. A pill with a little needle in it. You're sure you didn't have any gas? (laughs) Positive. (laughs) Um, in any event... He'll get gas later on today. Craig gas, that is. He'll be uh, in at oh, 1 o'clock, so God. we'll be talking about that. But let me just say this, then. Yes. Uh, and I'm really am not trying to eat up. But you know what? What do you care? The less you have to speak this hour, I guess. Um, well, I mean, I don't wish for you to be in pain. Um, I had some observation. Oh, but so I'm waiting till January to get my dental done because I got this whole... Well, with the, the the insurance and the hey hey and the me being a big cheapskate, so I'm waiting till next year to get any dental work done. Um, but I do have to say that even if they tell me I don't need anything done, like I almost want to get some dental work done just so I can get gas because I've never tried it, and it sounds glorious. It's fun, it really is. So I'm going to demand that they do something, that they remove something or put something in, just so I can have nitrous oxide. Done and done. Here's Tim Riley. Well, maybe you need some crowns. 
Do you get any fillings done of the 1970s? Uh, they got to go. Well, if that's if that's true, they've got to go sooner or later. No, the only no? fillings. Well, I did, but they, they were my baby teeth. That's how bad a brusher I was when I was a kid. I had fillings in my baby teeth. Mm-hmm. Hey, here's a question. I was thinking about baby teeth the other day. And Tim, you having been to the dentist recently, maybe you know this. Do all 32 of your teeth fall out? Do you have 32 baby teeth? Oh, I don't know that. I completely forget how many teeth I lost as a kid. It doesn't seem like you lose 32 I don't think teeth. You, well, you have 32, including your wisdom teeth. So I think you lose I 28. Well, teeth. 28. But, I mean, you don't lose 28 teeth as a child, do no. you? I think you lose all of your teeth. I don't think you lose your wisdom teeth. Well, not the, no, 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 but, for the wisdom teeth. But let's, leaving those aside, you don't lose 28 teeth. I know no? an adult who still has all of his baby teeth. Who? Hmm. I'm squid? not going to say. No. Oh, okay. No, because a he squid gets doesn't have teeth. I think he <laughs> doesn't want it to be known. Um... Well, well, that's just weird. He still has all his baby teeth. All of his baby teeth. So you can't really tell. It just looks like he has small teeth, but his teeth never fell out. And so I think he has the other teeth. Do I know this person? Yes. You don't have to tell me who it is. Um, okay, I'm going to be looking at everybody you you bring in here now. Everybody that I, well, I see you see with. Him. I don't see him too much anymore. Oh, really? No, no, no. <laughs> no, I never did. Oh, are they? Person. Okay. No. So take your baby teeth elsewhere. Well, He's that's, a friend of somebody I did. Now I want to know if mm-hmm. if all 28 of your teeth fall out when you're a kid. I don't know. You'll have to ask your dentist. What a weird sensation that is. You know, the thing about losing your baby teeth. I still remember what it's like to be. That's, I, I got a quarter. Did you get a, I think I got a quarter, too. But then I think at a certain point. They, Inflation. I think my dad made up a rule like, no, no, no. It's a rule that the tooth fairly <laughs> only pays for the first two. The rest are complimentary. You know, like it, it were just, my parents were just such cheap bastards. Uh, but, um. I think that there's a reason that happens when you're a kid, because I think if your teeth all had to fall out when you were an adult, you would be terrified by it. Like, if you were just to walk around, like, let me ask you this. I don't think this. all my baby teeth, I would have remembered that. See, I, I am just, I'm really you might wondering about it now. And you let me also, ones. let me say this, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you ever do this? I mean, I take pretty good care of my teeth as an adult, especially because I lived almost all of my adult life without insurance. So I kept really good, I, you know, with the teeth, your best friend you got. So, I, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't ever had any money to go to the dentist, couldn't afford to go to the dentist if I had to. So I took good care of my teeth. But do you ever do this? Do you ever, for just a moment... Feel like maybe one of your adult teeth is loose. Does that ever happen to you? I'm fully uh-huh. awake. Some people do have loose teeth. But I mean, this is where you kind of just full on imagine it. Oh, yeah. Where like you'll be fully awake, fully conscious, but you'll kind of look at one of your teeth and go, oh my God. And well, like, I've had dreams about teeth falling up. Before. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. And it's just some. T- and here's the other thing. If you grab like one of your front teeth, like your, uh, you know, whatever your buck teeth or whatever mm-hmm. those on the front, um, and you kind of. Wiggle it a little bit because your fingers are soft. It uh-huh. will feel like your teeth, like your teeth are loose. My God, my teeth are loose. All right. Um, well, we've got um, a dental uh, call here, so we'll get that in a second. Let's do one news story, at least, before we plunge on ahead. Let's see how well that mouth of yours works, Tim Riley. All righty. Well, that 20-mile stretch of the major interstate linking Portland to Seattle remains closed because the roadway is underwater. Elisa Bateman with the Washington Department of Transportation, WODOT, says uh, water levels have receded some in Chehalis after the river crested. Yesterday, as you know, we had more than 10 feet of water over I-5. We currently have over 6 feet of water. So we're going to need to wait until the water recedes more to determine damage to the roadway. We're not going to know the full extent of any damage to I-5 until those water levels recede a little bit more. However, our crews are going to head out there today. She should blow her nose before doing this. They can, and they're also going to to assess any potential damage to I-5. Now, apparently, the uh, roadway workers say they're uh, they're trying to clear out that area, but they're finding a lot of debris, tires, and dead rats. Now, people are just throwing dead rats in here to make 
this process I got a little bit these, longer than it should be. I got all these dead rats, rats, and I've been waiting for a place to throw them. Uh, Irma, take the dead rats out of the basement and <laughs> dump them on I-5, won't you? <laughs> we still got that rat collection. Excellent. Wonderful. Fantastic. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, let's find out about teeth, shall we? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Hi, Show. Hello. Hello? Hey. Hey, this is Kelly. I've called you quite a few times in the past. Well, God. I had my dad on and everything while that one lady was Oh, wait, wait. Are you the guy that called us once and your dad was there because he was at the craft place or whatever and that woman was going to shoot herself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I've called you quite a few times. Anyways, I I just, it's so weird. I got in my van and I just came out of the dentist um, because I wasn't feeling good and then I noticed my tooth was hurt. So now I find out tomorrow I'm scheduled. I got to go in for oral surgery. Wait, hold on. This just happened now today? Yeah, it was so weird. I got in the van, heard you talking about teeth. I was like, oh my god. So what did? When did you find out that something was wrong with your teeth? Just just now. I just came out of General Dental like five minutes ago. And and so, so what is the what is wrong with your teeth? Um, I just I got to go in tomorrow and have them extracted. But uh, what, your wisdom teeth? No, I I had that done last year, but these are the ones right in front of it, the molars. Uh huh. Molar. Where they're bad from sitting against it. I, I, you know, I had Kaiser. I had a lot of dental fillings when I was a baby too, but I always had Kaiser. And then when I lost dental insurance, I went to a dental school and had a root canal done. Oh, at the school. Me, do you have somebody without a license who can do this? They what? They they busted through my root into my jawbone. And put me in such extreme pain that it just terrified me to even go to the dentist. Oh, I yeah. Didn't go for like 15, oh, 20 years. Everybody and has either had that story or heard the story about the guy uh, where like they didn't know it became the right part and drilled right into a nerve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right into my jawbone. So, yeah. and, and, you know, and my dad that was on last time, he had, he went to my dentist after that and they went to And I don't know why he went to the same what? one, but. Where's he did. that place where they maimed you, son? I'm going to go there. <laughs> so, where's that place where they butchered and it literally on, I... rotted his whole lower jaw. Hold on, yeah. they let that same place left an instrument, and let's not name the dentist, but they I... they left an instrument yeah. in his jaw. Yeah, I don't it, understand. Uh... Your jaw's not like your stomach. You can leave a sponge or a scalpel or something in the stomach. How do they leave an instrument in your jaw? It broke off when they were extracting a tooth. Yeah, and it infected his whole lower jaw, almost killed him. He was on an IV antibiotic for like three months, and now he's got a steel plate in his jaw. So we've had a a history of terrorism, of dental, you know, procedures done. And uh, so, but they're talking about the gas. I have to have gas when I go in. I'm yeah, so I would nervous. think, and like a strong belt of whiskey or something. <laughs> yeah. Please describe the feeling of the gas. That, that and a whole bunch of Vicodin. So. What does the gas feel like, sir? Um, well, if you can get past the first, like, 40 seconds without laughing and stuff, you can be calm. It really does make you want to start just busting up laughing. But then that passes? Yeah, then that passes, and then... And then you have to, you really have to watch and have them monitor it because, you know, they got to turn it up and turn it down to get you just in that sweet spot where you're just kind of floating. And then, you know, you can relax. What happens if they give you too much nitrous oxide? It'll make you pass out. Oh, well, that'd be okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that and, you know, you're in a dentist office. You know, I don't mind if I go under and I'm at a hospital, but I don't want to do that at a dentist office. I suppose. There was a story about that that dentist who was drugging his female patients and then getting his sex on while they were passed out. (laughs) Well, that's unfortunate. Well, thank you for a horrifying story, Kelly. Good luck with the the maiming tomorrow. Okay, thank you. Bye now. All right. See, there you could be worse, Tim. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. These are things that have to be done. All right. There you go. So, and whatnot. Here's a, practically painless. I suppose. Here's, uh, here's Tim Riley. 
So uh, getting back to some of this other uh, storm stuff today, let's see what we have. The uh, Pacific Northwest is still reeling. Uh, Lisa Harwin with Oregon's Red Cross say they are helping the thousands of people who are without power after hurricane force winds knock down the power lines throughout the region. One of the challenges that we're facing is we're having to act a bit like a Pony Express. Our volunteers are having to get in their cars and deliver messages directly to other individuals without using cell phones and regular phones to communicate. They're delivering food to thousands. 36,000 homes and businesses that are now on multiple days without power. And we have communities, for that matter, that are, that are virtually stranded. They've become almost like islands. Yeah. One of the top priorities is to make sure food is getting out and being delivered in these communities. Yeah, so there you go. Because here's what happens: is you get a community that suddenly becomes an island. Then there's That'd no be food. Like yeah, that or uh, you know that or Krakatoa. No, not Krakatoa. What am I thinking of? What's that island where everybody ate? the cannibal thing happened? Well, whatever. Anyway, so there's going to be a whole lot of unpleasantness happening out there. Still, twenty-three thousand customers remain in the dark on the coast. Uh, let's see. The big priority is restoring electricity to Clatsop County, which is the hardest hit. Uh, utility workers plan to bring generators into Cannon Beach today and help 434 customers there. Let's see, Highway 26 and 101 along the uh, debris field. Uh, trees and down power lines are still to be found between Oregon 6 and Tillamook. U.S. 101 is fully open this morning, although uh, 26 remains closed at Staley's Junction in Washington County. So you can't get there from here. But where do you want to go to the Coast War anyway? It's covered in feces, apparently. Dead rats, too. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that that happened, like, the week after we were at the coast. I mean, really, because it was, like, what, like, I think nine days after we were there. That well, they had uh, 120 mile an hour winds there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I love the dentist. Oh, this is somebody who, uh, I do believe uses the same insurance company. I love the dentist. This says, I love the dentist. Uh, let's see. Breathe deep and you begin to float. We all float. Uh, the, uh, the gas is glorious. And then I will not identify the insurance company except to say that I barely knew her. They charge an additional $15 for the gas, but apparently well worth it. So there you go. Well, Fantastic. Well, I can't wait for the new year. It only, I'm just going to have all my teeth taken out, polished, and just cleaned up and then shoved back in. And have as much work done as possible. All right. Well done. Yet another American company is venturing into China. General Motors is creating OnStar for the Chinese. There are definitely people purchasing what we are finding that is ringing true that people are definitely looking, though, for bargains. People are being run over by tanks. In I the was, uh, you beat me to it. Oh, you beat you bastard. You beat me to the joke. Who's going to make up that spot? Okay, you be the OnStar operator, Sarah. Say, OnStar, can I help you? OnStar, can I help you? Yes, my whole family imprisoned and killed by totalitarian regime. Um, I have tank has run over my brother. Hello? Okay, let me see if I can get a location on that. <laughs> Everywhere. That's the location. Okay. Nothing but happy people are seen. <laughs> Nothing but happy people in the people's square today. How come we overrun by zombies? Huh? All right. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's so obvious, but it's funny. You know, sometimes the obvious jokes really are the best jokes. On star. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, speaking of the obvious jokes, I teased this earlier. I should. You, you all will appreciate this. This is from. Um, uh, well, I won't use the name of the comedy service. I won't give them free advertising. But this is from a a, a kooky morning show prep service. This again just came unbidden today. Is this, this the same service that you had last time? No, different one. Uh, let's see. 
This is Christmas promotions and holiday items for your morning show. Uh, let's see. How about this? Here are three timely, easy-to-execute promotional ideas to help your station ring in the holidays. First one, boy, imagine just a living, breathing hell on earth. Kids only shopping. This is this, this is a radio consulting firm who has sent us this. Is this sending kids to shop by themselves? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Just giving your kids a checkbook and some car keys. <laughs> um, so they, this is a, they have sent us this, this radio consulting firm. They have three suggestions. One, kids only shopping. Offer a special, this is a suggestion to a radio station that apparently cannot come up with their own ideas. And that is so desperate they then turn to this service to give them ideas and advice. Offer a kids-only shopping day prior to the holidays. Parents can bring their children in during specified hours and have them shop for holiday gifts. Have special discounts, refreshments, mascots, and giveaways. Set up a special area for parents with coffee, snacks, and entertainment while their children shop. Good yeah. God. Aren't you glad we don't work at a radio station that, that does things like I'm this? I'm glad I don't have children. How about this? Uh, let's see. Wrapped. Have personalities, great for your morning show, volunteer to wrap presents in the mall during the holiday season. Imagine being told, Tim and Sarah, you're going to go to the Lloyd Center Mall and wrap presents for three hours. Do it now. They can ask for a small donation for local charity or do it for free. Oh. Hey, Sarah, you're going to go wrap things for three hours at the mall. Hop to it, toots. And then give my imaginary children my checkbook and let them run rampant. And then kill yourself. Um, As it should be. And, then we have, and let's see, and then we have, have this. We have... um. Um, holiday, oh God, this is terrible. Holiday terms for your morning show to use. So this is, uh, this is again, borrowing someone else's wit. If you're not funny, this is like people who have bumper stickers. If you don't have your own sense of humor, use the sense of humor company in Akron, Ohio. People shouldn't have bumper stickers anymore anyway. I know. White trash. Don't get me started. So this is, these are holiday terms for your morning show to work into their conversation so they can look funnier and more interesting than they are. And apparently they suggest that you do it like the old Johnny Carson, like Karnak bit. These are words that, A, no one uses, and B, I mean, okay, such as mistletoe. That's a noun. Someone who hangs around under the mistletoe waiting to get kissed, and then they use it in a sentence in case you're like a retard. Eve was being such a mistlehoe at the company party that no one else could get any play from the cute guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Okay. How about this? How about egg snog? It's a noun. That's a makeout session that takes place under the influence of eggnog. Let's see. What else? How about this? Uh, Yulezilla. Yulezilla is someone, of course, who goes way too overboard with Christmas decorations. And finally, Mrs. Claus. That's C-L-A-W-S. That's a work buddy's wife whose steely gaze keeps her husband's female colleagues on the other side of the office party dance floor. So I guess the deal is... Do we have an office party? No, I don't think so. Did, did, we, did we have one last year and did no. I just not go? I don't know. Well, the thing is we can't because we're scattered around three different buildings. Yeah. Like, some people are welcome in certain buildings, others not so much. <laughs> um, anyway, the hospitality isn't company-wide at the different buildings. <laughs> it's Don't sort know. of a localized thing. Yes, it is. Oh, I'm sorry, and finally, Santa Fraud. That is a poorly costumed Santa Claus impersonator. And then your morning show would work into a sentence by saying something like, Well, you want to avoid the, those department stores at all costs. You know, they're just overrun with those Santa Frauds this year. 
really imagine working on a morning show that is just so desperate to sound funny that you would then resort to this and then just, like, work it in. All right, well, I guess you don't have to imagine that show. I guess that show is probably on. You could, probably a few hours ago, you could have heard three or four different versions of that show. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, even though we have uh, floods and all kinds of problems, it's good to know that life is back to normal in Troutdale. As a woman runs over her boyfriend in the heat of an argument. Well done. A woman ran over her boyfriend after an argument in Troutdale, then took off. Several witnesses told police they noticed a man and a woman arguing inside the car until the man got out. Then they said the woman ran him over with the car, possibly several times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great and creepy. When will people learn? Do you just... It's what? Um, what I there want to cut that word. <laughs> My thoughts are not translating. Tim, Dr. Teeth, Riley. Piehole clothes. <laughs> Detour. Um, <laughs> go through Yakima. Um, it's, uh, when do people learn, though, when you're having an argument with somebody in a car? Because we get this story about every three weeks. Don't walk in front of the car if you just fought with it. If you are stalking out of the car in rage... Do not then walk in front of that guy. It's like that guy that got run over by that woman in a Winnebago a few weeks ago. You know, you're a whore. I wish I'd never married you. Let me walk in front of the Winnebago. I mean, I don't understand. Well, this woman is 10 years older than he is. Yeah. For one thing. All right. Uh, and uh, he's in critical condition at Emanuel with what police described as life-threatening injuries. You know, and nobody has clarified how many teeth you lose as a child. And this is really Somebody starting to bug me now. You'd think at least like a dentist would call in. I know we have dental people who listen. So yeah, they're know. probably doing dental work right now. Yeah, they should have us on in the background. They should have. That's very relaxing. We can sweeten. Sweeten it into your jaw. All right. I can't think of anything more relaxing <laughs> to listen to a dentist office. And then they <laughs> left a drill bit inside my number five incisor. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick, you know, gotta love Troutdale. Hey, uh, you know, I was just thinking about with this storm and everything. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've got hurricane force winds. We've Nothing got more. you know. 8, 10, 12 inches of rain around here. We've got highways underwater. And you know what? The rest of the city, the rest of the country doesn't care. Yeah. We need a name for this storm. We had a name for this storm, boy. I'm telling you, everybody would be concerned. We'd be getting donations across the country. Can I just tell you this? First of all, can I tell you what I was really disappointed in, that nobody, like KGW or COIN or somebody, I was really surprised that they did not do the following gag on the air. Because, you know, they do the stupid, uh, you know, the, the little chiron at the bottom where they put the name, like, you know, Operation Hellstorm or whatever it is. You know, we're like, Christmas Chaos. You know, they, they have a name for their, for their for whatever the story is. They've got, like, a catchy name. I don't know why, when they were doing weather predictions on Sunday and Monday. Oh, look, I'm going to give this idea. Who's a, who's some, who, what's a hack television station that we can give this to? Coin. Coin. Don't misspell it. No, that's why it's the other one. I'm giving you this uh, idea for free. The next time you are going to be predicting uh, that a large weather event is happening, here's the Chiron you put on the screen. For It's two words. Uh, first word has an, uh, an, a question mark. Second word has an exclamation point. This is your weather prediction for Portland. Storm large. There you go. It's terrible, but that's why they should use it. You can totally see a point, because they're, they're being local and relatable. You can totally see a local television station doing that, can't you? It's genius. Unfortunately, All right. Yeah. So you're saying we should retrospectively now, or actively, whatever that word is, we should name the storm. We need we need a name on this bad boy, and then all of a sudden we'd be getting sympathy. I'm, I'm thinking that the uh, the folks from the tsunami a couple of years ago are going to send money back. Like if we just, and if we maybe if we just called it something like, you know, the, the Patriot Storm or the Freedom Storm. 
something? Well, you know, I Child if storm. The city gets involved, it'll be some. It'll be Caesar Chavez. Okay. See. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Come on. Bye now. We should begin naming everything after Caesar Chavez until something sticks. Mm -hmm. Everything that needs to be named. Every time there's got to be named something else, we should do that. So kids lose all 20 of their primary teeth eventually. Really? Is that true? Mm -hmm. Well, let's find out. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello? Hello? Hey, I got a story for you. Is this about teeth? Uh, no, it's actually about a woman that, you know, you were talking about a woman that ran over her boyfriend. This, this happened in Idaho about 30 years ago. This couple in Nampa yeah, got the, in a hold, bigger... hold, hold, hold on. Can, can you hold that thought for a moment? Oh, absolutely. All right, thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Edwards. I've got to get this tea thing. I can already sense that that's going to be, if we uncork that, it's going to be an all-day affair. Hold on, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. Uh, 20 teeth is what they have. Yep, that, 20. That, that kids will lose, yeah. I don't remember losing 20 teeth. That's just weird. Well, I mean, if, you probably, you know, a couple you forget, but, I mean, I know my, my daughter's a little odd. She's kept all her teeth in a drawer. On a necklace. <laughs> and, uh... That she waves a, waves a stick filled with beads at the other children at school and dances around a small pile of stones. Well, when other body parts start showing Yells, up in the drawer. All right. Yeah, well, that's creepy. All right. Um, the, uh, so 20, that's weird. And I, did you, let me ask you this. How do, does she wait for the teeth to fall out by themselves? Does she pull the teeth or does she do that thing that I think you only see in films where it's the string to the door handle? <laughs> I've threatened that weather, but she never liked that idea. We actually, though, she lost two of them when we were wrestling around and they got caught on a piece of clothing also oh, 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 oh. but the, when you were mentioning earlier one of the scariest things for me is when you see an adult that has those little baby teeth because then they look like some sort of rodent it's very uh, yeah or that little guy who was after karen black you know and sticking the knife under the door <laughs> yeah no and then because then you, here's the thing about an adult having teeth that are that are way too small and keep in mind, I don't know who Sarah's friend is that still has all the baby teeth. So I'm, if I'm in, insulting this person, it's only inadvertent. Is that you stare at somebody like that, and you're trying to figure out what's wrong with their face. And you can't quite put your finger on it. You're sort of looking and going, there's something unsettling about your visage, but the nature of it escapes me. And it's sort of like if you, this is a nerd thing here, if you have seen the... Um, Return of the King, I think it's the Return of the King director's cut. There's this whole sequence where a character named the Mouth of Sauron comes out and speaks uh, and it speaks to the you know to the, to the fellowship and then is beheaded. But they did this creepy thing with the CGI and he's a real character. He's a hum he's not not a CGI character. He's played by a human being in makeup. But they did this creepy thing with the CGI where they made his mouth too big. They made his mouth like 75% again bigger. So it's a normal-sized head, normal-sized face, mouth that's about 80% larger than it should be. And you can't put your finger on what is so creepy about him. But he talks to himself, you know, hello, wizard, or whatever it is he said. Hello, hobbits. And, and, you, and you're like, there is something really distinctly disturbing about this man. So there you go. He looks like Carly Simon then. Eh? Yes. Yes, he does. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Or for you, uh, for you 80s animation fans, he looks like Mock from Rock and Rule. Uh, hi, uh, hello, hi, Rick Emerson Show. It's me again? Oh, it's the Idaho guy. Okay, so oh, oh, no. let's try to keep the story brief. A woman I, ran somebody over in Idaho 30 years ago. No, they didn't run over. They, they, they had a domestic dispute, uh -huh. and she decided it was time to leave. So she goes out to get in her car, old Cadillac with power windows. She comes outside, starts swinging at her through the window. So she starts to roll the window up and, and pinches his elbow in the window, starts the car, 
and takes off. Goes out on Interstate 84, drives from Napa to Caldwell. It's about 8, 10 miles. And literally drug, it's like a popsicle stick on the ground. Ground his body off, clear down to the waist. See, I call I call BS on the story though because no, because well, it doesn't seem like a but it doesn't seem like a piece of glass would hold like 180 pounds. Oh, definitely did. Literally, she, we were we were actually in a restaurant. It had been on the news. We were in this restaurant one night and saw her and her attorney in there prior to the the trial. But she went to, to prison for I don't know like 10 or 12 years. Well, all right then. But it truly did happen. It was it was about 27 years ago, roughly. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. I don't know how to react to that. Oh, we have to break. It's like 12:40. Oh, darn it all. Well, let's do it. I know you wanted to talk as much as possible right now, Tim. I, I really do. Say this: Sally sells seashells. Never mind. Uh, all right. We'll come back uh, more from Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Craig Gass will join us here just a uh, short while. Later on, Tim Riley's top five songs he loathed playing as a DJ. Uh, tickets to I Am Legend, James Ruby Stedder. Here's Pulp on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up in the next hour, actor and comedian Craig Gass uh, will be here. Who doesn't look anything like I thought he would, by the way. No, no, he's not a bad looking at all. No, no, I'm revealing that I've never seen him on television by saying that. But what are you going to do? I'm not going to be hipper than I am. Too. Thank you. Oh, is this the Internet Movie Database thing? So and I can... the Wikipedia. So I, can, so I can say, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Were you not in... Episode uh, one, uh, Law and Order, in season uh, 2002, if memory serves. Uh, so Craig Gass will join. He's going to be at uh, Back Alley Nightclub in Vancouver this Friday and Saturday, uh, if memory serves. And so we'll have him on here just a few later on. CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Uh, Tim Riley's top five songs he loathed playing as a DJ. Uh, Clergy Watch, Britney Watch. Uh, that's all in the way. Uh, real quickly, well, first of all, i got three three small things to do here. Uh, one, did anybody see the Imus thing yesterday when, when all of his equipment failed him. No. Tim Riley? I have not seen Oh, it's it fantastic. Oh, no, I... Uh, okay, well, it's pointless to sort of play it on the air, except to say... And it's Don a Dr- visual thing. It, it is. We would never want to do anything on the air that requires you to be watching okay. something. Nothing, this is a visual medium. Of course. Uh, but... Um, Don Geronimo was talking about this uh, yesterday, and we didn't get a chance to address it, but it is really... It is just... I don't think we get the... What are the RFD... Isn't that the no. Mayberry thing? Isn't it Mayberry RFD? Yeah, but it's not. It has nothing to do with Mayberry. What well, we don't it, get it. What is the RFD? What does that stand for? Rural free delivery. Are you kidding? Really? No, I mean it. Farm and Grain Network. You're welcome to the Feed Store Network. Uh, so anyway, so Imus is doing his program on WABC in New York City, and then. Uh, on a couple other stations, like Citadel stations, and then he's on this weird television network that, like, you know, that only guys named Vern are able to get. And the weird thing is, though, he is not doing his show at WABC. I mean, he's got one of the biggest, uh, you know, the most famous sets of call letters in America. The WABC is a big station. It was a big rock station back in the day. Yeah. I mean, cousin Brucey and all those New people. Year's. It's a legendary set of calls, as they say in the industry. And yet, 
Well, he's not doing it there. He's doing it at like uh, some studio across the street that was built by this RFD where nothing works. So it's him sitting at one desk, and Charles McCord is sitting is sort of across the room at another desk. And then I guess I didn't see any of the other people because I guess I guess the other guys are all there, but as Don said, they're not really allowed to be on camera apparently anymore. I guess but like Bernie McGurk is going to stay far away from the lens of the all-seeing camera eye. So. Um, and then uh, the woman that they brought on the show, I didn't see her either. All I saw was about 14 cringe-inducing minutes that someone had isolated and posted online. And for most of it, Imus is sitting looking for all the world like the desiccated uh, corpse of Minnie Pearl slumped in a corner because nothing was working. And so he just went to endless bumper music. I mean, that's all it was because he, he came back and I guess Lou, who's the guy, that the engineer that was running it, couldn't hear him. And I mean... So there's Charles McCord who's just sitting there shuffling papers, trying to be somewhere else at that moment and wondering why he came back to that radio program. And meanwhile, Imus, who I don't know if the hats on Imus are getting bigger or if it's just he himself is just sort of gradually sinking over time. Like uh, his skull has been boiled. Oh my, <laughs> really, honestly, he uh, he looks like he ought to be like scrabbling out fake fortunes for a quarter at some sort of a flea market somewhere. You know where you where like Tom Hanks comes up and asks him a question and he sort of lurches to life and you will become big and shoves the card out. Um, but so I, I was watching it and I is just sitting there going, and everybody who works in radio has had this terrible moment where Imus is just sitting there buried under this comically large... I mean, it really is like he's wearing a canopy that's sort of curled up from the condensation on two sides. And he's sitting there with those weird... Dr. Laura uses the same ones, those weird he, uh, those headphones that look like a stethoscope. Oh, they're from the early 70s. Yeah. Doc, I don't know where you still buy them. I don't know, but, you know, I think it's an old person thing. I think it's like when you become so old and wizened and deaf that the sound literally just needs to be beamed right into your occipital lobe. Those were standard in the early to mid-70s, because I remember hanging around radio stations as a kid, and everybody had a pair of those. I saw, I've seen Dr. Laura do her show at, uh, well, I guess at KFI or whatever, and she wears the same thing. So I'm just sitting there, and he's doing the, well, I don't know, Lou, can you hear me? Oh, God. Hello? Well, I can't, um, Charles, can you hear Lou? I can't, um, well, I don't know, it's pointless. I don't know, no one can hear me, I... You've well, listened to I, that guy for too long. Well, I don't know. We're, and the thing is, and you're sitting, well, it's because we followed him forever on the air. And he's just sitting, and I'm watching it, and I'm just, my my skin is just crawling because we've all had. Well, can you hear? Can you hear me? I don't, oh, God damn it, they can't. And, and so he's just, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, at least I am, like the studio, it's across the street. I mean, the radio station that is carrying that program is literally, like you can see it. It's like 40 feet away. And instead, he just goes, well, I don't know, there's no point in doing the show if you can't. Um, Does anyone know. even care about I Miss anymore? No. I can't tell you how little I, I care about this story. I, I only care. No, 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 but but this story is the only reason I care. That's the thing. That the sum total of my of my concern for I Miss and his show at this point are because of things like this big technical implosion that happened. And so finally, he just goes, well, I don't know, I just, um... And this is all televised, by the way. Keep in mind, this is all being broadcast on television. So the radio audience is getting this. Um, well, I, am I turned up? Well, what? Well, I guess. Lou, that's it. That's what the radio audience is getting. The TV audience is getting that, but with like the big 
like howdy doody <laughs> costume he's got on, which really must be called a costume at this point. I think at this point in Imus's career, we must simply acknowledge what we all know to be true, which is he is an adult man dressed up for Halloween every day. Um, so, and finally, he just pulls off his headphones, slumps into the chair as though he is a marionette whose strings have just been cut, and then he just sort of he sort of slumps back in the chair and just stare like all of the energy it took to like keep himself upright. We had just been sapped. And so he's just leaning back in the chair like Mother Bates. <laughs> and then they just do nothing. And then the camera just stays fixed on him while they're just playing bumper music. And it's a lot, you know, while Conway Twitty plays or something. So he's got to be on here for five years, it says. Yeah, have fun with no, that. boy. <laughs> Find RFD TV in your area. Click here. No. I mean, let me tell you this right now. I would watch it. If it was available in uh, if it was available here in Portland, I will be TVing that every day. And then hopefully talking about it for ten minutes every day. Well, the thing well, is, it's, since it's not available in our area, they'd like us to fill out a form. Demanding. So yes. Let's go to Comcast and pick it outside. Let's go stand. Let's get an army of listeners and demand the Grain Network here in Portland, Oregon. Jesus. So it really is. So I, I mean, and I know that you don't care about it. I'm just saying, from the perspective of of working in radio, it is just the most awful and fascinating thing because they're, one of the most overused phrases in the English language is, "Well, it's like a car wreck. You just can't look away." This is this is that though. It is just so. And then when you consider just the phenomenal amounts of money that this weird RFD television network put up to build the studio, which doesn't work. So it really is deeply gratifying, like in the, in the darkest, most, most intimate I mean, can place. You, can you imagine something in New York with this, a logo on the building? It's a, it's a windmill. Yeah, it's a windmill. That in New York. Yeah, that's going to play. Outside of studio. No. Oh, yeah. right, anyway, they are, they're a cosmopolitan it's people. It's not seen in any place that matters. No. I bleep that. That sounded a little too much like something else. It did, didn't it? Bockton, South Dakota, is where... Uh, my Imus, uh, my Imus slur kind of got the best of me there. Imus slur having at least two different meanings at this point. Here's Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth on KCMV Portland. Well, the man held in connection with the last week's hostage standoff at Hillary's campaign headquarters hoped the police would kill him. Leon Eisenberg says he anticipated being shot once he came out of the building. No shots were fired, and he thought to himself, quote, what am I going to do here, unquote. Uh, Rochester Police Chief David Dubois was at the scene that day and say cops have been trained to look for signs of a suspect's goal that may be, quote, die by cop. And what they're looking for is aggressive actions towards law enforcement or overt actions of people to place law enforcement in a position to make the ultimate decision to take another human life. The ultimate decision. So Eisenberg said he ate his last supper at a Rochester, New Hampshire restaurant. Uh, what, what is becoming your last <laughs> This is the last supper. <laughs> well, uh, I'm about to end it all. Do you have any gravy? Jesus. And not even, I mean, does it say what the restaurant was? It doesn't know. Please tell me it was a diner or a greasy spoon. Hey, do you have the Richie Bell? I do. I left mine up at my, at the, uh... At... All right. Richie Can Bristol, please, it? no, please don't. He was really angry with me for not using the bell when I had I know, and I left the bell up on my desk because it's sort of decorative now. Richie Bristol, uh, here on the Rick Emerson radio. No, this, you oh, yes, you got the microphone right oh, there. Yeah. Uh, hello, Richie. How are you? Uh, so we'll get to, uh, so we'll bring Craig in here uh, in the next hour as we head into that. Uh, I hate to ask this, but you got inexplicably angry the other day when we did something for our set. Oh, man, dude. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I can smell you from over here. <laughs> you Two squirts today. Okay, 
you got to st- okay first and of all and you use the bad one too that's the bad you trying to get rid of it it's, it's like, I'm trying to, I tried to get rid of it so I thought I'd put it all is over my Craig body in that small room with you right now uh, he left is Craig being he left where did he go he's stepping all over my joke been in the bathroom oh well I would go to the bathroom too frankly <laughs> I would do the oh. bathroom the roof an overpass blah 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 is Craig being gassed by your cologne ha ha so it, here's the thing a, from now on, I would say one squirt. Okay. Let's start ratcheting down a little bit. One a day? Y- y- I would say Yes. That. And I, I, I can't oh, even really... Oh, that's pretty bad. I can't even... Yeah. Grandma's boudoir. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the Tommy hey. one? No, it's the Sex Panther. <laughs> Is Somebody this the nameless it. one? But, I mean, is this the one where you just mixed everything together? No, it's something. Oh, whatever that one is, don't use yeah, it anymore. Throw that one away. Yeah. Try to get give rid it to the it. homeless. It's the holiday season. Go just, give it to a homeless guy. You know how you can get rid of it? Pick it up and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> no. Well, you didn't pay for it. I need it. You, okay, you need a cologne, perhaps. And don't get me wrong, we feel your pain and smell your pain. But I'm saying that you don't need all of them. But Big Jim from the Marconi Show pulled me aside today and he's like, He's like, I like Richie and all, and he seems to have his act together, but, dude, what is up with the cologne in the window? And I, and I had to tell him the whole, the whole story. We're not trying to make light of your predicament, Richie. I'm just saying, you want to find one scent. We really do have to get somebody to take him shopping. But mm-hmm. you, you want to find one scent that works. This, not that scent. So what I would do is, this goes in the B pile. And by B pile, I mean something you're going to throw away. You shouldn't use it. If your goal is to woo the fairer sex, this is not the scent for you. This is not going to work. Uh, this okay. sort of screams, I had $2 and there was a Woolworths I passed on the way home. It's like I was buying a pack of cigarettes at Plod Pantry and they were like <laughs> the sample sizes. This, this, this is my American spirit cologne. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, so you got really inexplicably angry the other day when we did something to ourselves for ourselves. And so now I guess I'm supposed to ask you for these. Uh, could you bring some creamer in, please? Sure. Thank you. Creamer. <laughs> Oh, see, I didn't expect that to come from... I barely knew her. Okay. Uh, I went and got some the other day, and he's like... And he wrote me a big thing in the screen. All caps, like, I will do that for you. It's like that episode of Firefly, where there's that woman who just wants to meet Mal Reynolds' every need. It's exactly like that. Uh, except with a... A Vietnamese man. Here's uh, here's Tim Riley. Oh, Frank Sinatra's going to get his own stamp. Comes out next spring. The stamp commemorating Frank was announced... Uh, by the Postmaster General, Potter, who called the cruder an extraordinary detainer whose life and work left an impression on American culture. His recordings, concert performances, and film work place him among America's top artists, and his legendary gift of transforming popular song into art is a rare feat that few are able to replicate. I'm surprised they haven't just gone out all, all out and just done like a Rat Pack mm-hmm. stamp. I guess, do, they, how, do you have to be dead for a certain amount of time? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure about that. Who was the last Rat Pack guy to die? Well, Joey Bishop, because he just died a few months ago, right? Or a few weeks ago. It was just recently. Yeah. So I guess maybe they can't do a Rat Pack stamp uh, until, I guess maybe they have like another five years or something. So, all right, excellent. you got to wonder if they'll allow Lawford to be on it even now. Here's Tim Riley. Now let's do a uh, Britney watch, Here's shall Here's Britney watch for, Jesus, boy, that boy Richie smells. Uh, for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show, poor Craig Gass.
Well, child welfare investigators are looking into multiple child abuse and neglect allegations in the custody battle between Brittany and ex-husband Kevin Federline. This is according to court documents released yesterday. In a request to, to unseal parts of the case file, an attorney for the L.A. County Department of Children and Family Services wrote that there were concerns about the safety and welfare of two toddlers, Sean Preston, two, and Jaden James, one, when they were left in their mother's care. Though the agency mentioned investigating referrals relating to federal law, and the documents don't provide details. The agency... Uh, the, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a marathon? It is. I, I mean, made I, it so far. It's a verbal Iditarod. But I notice it's starting to wear off now. The agency requested the court not to alter the current custody and visitation agreements until their investigation is completed. Federal line has temporarily custody the boys after Spears defied court orders about regular drug testing. Okay, but see, the, the weirdest thing about this is, I, I mean, it, it's bizarre that she's getting hit with the child neglect charges since from all the photographic evidence, I mean, the, 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 everything we've been able to see, she's never actually take care of the kids. It's always the nanny. It's all, every photograph you see is, and what a weird time we live in now that we can track, like, almost in real time what Britney Spears is doing with her various offspring. Every photograph you see is Britney walking uh, big, stupid IMAX sunglasses on, texting away while the nanny... Pulls like, one of the children by, in, in a wagon and is yeah, holding the other and one. And is holding the other one like 30 feet behind her. So it doesn't really even appear that Britney has that much contact with the But you know the what? Children. Then again, you don't really see, you know, jackass Kevin Federline spending any time with them either. I mean, every time that he supposedly has them, the same thing is going on with the nanny. I guess, but I mean, I, I think... Unless he has those two other children that he doesn't pay any attention to. I think at this point, though, it's like there's grading on such a weird curve with Britney that all Kevin Federline has to do is not be convicted of, like, gang rape, uh, you know, and not have one of his sofas covered in, quote, diaper runoff. Uh, you know, and he just looks like, I mean, he really does look like Marcus Welby, or whoever, whatever that guy is, the guy who played Fathers Know Best, or whatever. Robert Young. Robert Young, that guy. Yeah, all right, I got nothing. Uh, there you go, there's your uh, Britney watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. Do a couple more here, and then we'll bring in uh, Craig Gass in a second. They got a show coming up, right? Is it this week? Today? It's the Friday. Friday. Friday Nickel Arcade is going to be playing at Satira Council. Go see and that. He, and Peter did write me and he said that they will be playing the Britney Spears song. All right. Are they going to have a drummer this time? I believe so. All right. Is that one of those no-do shows? <laughs> oh, wait. The low-do Is that what you were calling it? Is, is there a no, low-do show? No. Dante, I don't even think they use that phrase anymore. Dante says this thing where they'll bring in big acts and, you know, instead of paying like 15, 20 bucks for a ticket, they have it for $5. So they're bringing, so the Super Suckers are going to be playing. Right. So they're coming for $5. Well, okay. It's just one of those, low-do show is just one of those things that, uh, that is a phrase that I thought was no longer in play here as a uh, as a culture. I thought we, had, I thought that was like a two-for-Tuesday sort of thing that we'd, uh, we'd transition from. Man, there was, somebody sent me, and I know I'm like being the, you know, that guy, but somebody sent me like the best onion story yesterday. And it wasn't, I don't think it's, a, it wasn't an onion radio news thing. It was like a, like a print onion story. Um, and I can't really do justice to it until I find it. I'll actually find it and I'll um, I'll do my bad um, I'll do my bad read of it uh, because it is pretty great. Uh, here is uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. The NBC Nightly News and Brian Williams narrowly overtook World News with Charles Gibson on ABC. I don't even think I've ever watched that program. To become the most watched of the three major network newscasts in November, isn't that the way it this was? Is Brian before? Williams. Yeah, Brian Williams. No. Uh, attracted an average of 9.2 million viewers every night in November. 
About 100,000 more than Mr. Gibson's program at 9.1 million. I haven't watched any of these programs. No. Except for like the first day they were all on, just to see if something bad went wrong. Katie Couric has 6.7 million, and uh, she's lost a million viewers over the past year. She ought to get some special oh. holiday award for that. We have, CBS ought to give her some sort of like... I mean, what do they say to the focus group? <laughs> some sort of year-end holiday booby prize for her. Uh, all right, uh, just I, I will read this onion story really quickly, and I typically don't do this uh, because you know because every, you do it in a Doyle Redland. Part? I can, I guess, because every guy you work with, like every single person, works with a guy who comes by and like tries to reenact an onion story or a Seinfeld episode or something. But it's the greatest headline in the Onion. Um, the headline is: Local radio station has got some Doobie Brothers coming up for you, and the story is so well written. It's about a paragraph long. Dateline, Norwalk, Connecticut. I, I will do it in my bad Doyle Redland knockoff. According to sources, local radio station 95.9 The Fox has got some Doobie Brothers on the way for you in just a few minutes, along with some Stones, some Skinnerd, and they'll kick it off with some Hendrix. Though they are just wrapping up another 50 minutes of nonstop rock, you heard from Marshall Tucker, Boston, and a little Steve Miller rockin' me mixed in there, and they closed it out with a Zeppelin twin spin, you're going to want to stay tuned, because they've got another nine in a row headed your way at the top of the hour, as well as a chance to win some great prizes, including two tickets to see the Eagles live at Mohegan Sun. But first, the station has announced plans to take you all the way back to 1972 with this classic tune. That is someone who has listened to a lot of classic radio, and how bad, how bad is radio that it can be so easily parodied that way? Uh, let me read this email. We'll do one more, and then we will uh, bring Craig Gass into the studio here. Um, let me read this. This is um, from our friend Seamus. Subject line, stupid country star thinks Europe is a country and has never heard of Hungary. And he said, this, this is the sort of story that is great but leaves you wanting more. He says, I saw this on the news this morning, but I cannot find a clip online. Some country music star named Pickering or something was on that show with all the fifth graders. That's the Jeff Foxworthy show, the Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Um, I am typically not, by the way. I actually have seen that show a couple of times, and I am schooled by the fifth graders almost repeatedly. They asked her some question about the capital of France. Her response? She thought that Europe itself was a country and that they speak French in, quote, the country of Europe. Then she asked if France really was a country. Then when the host told her that the answer to the question was Hungary, she was surprised and said she didn't know that that was a real country. But said, quote, I have heard of Turkey. Seamus then says, all I want for Christmas from Santa is a license to kill the stupid. Uh, P.S. Uh, play some more Christmas stuff. The atheist in me is counting entirely and solely on the Rick Emerson show to get me into the holiday spirit. I do not wish to be a curmudgeon. All right, we'll play you some. Uh, a lot from Christmas music coming up, as well as some Stones, and later on, here's Tim Riley. We'll do one more here. It's a step in the right direction. A teenager whose uh, feet were severed at an amusement park ride has taken their first steps since the gruesome incident in June. Caitlin Lassiter, whose 14, began walking last week with the help of a prosthetic leg and crutches. She's proud of herself says her dad. Doctors were able to reattach her right foot after the accident at the Superman Tower Power Ride at Six Flags oh, Kentucky. Oh, that's that a story that we talked about. Yep. She lost both of her feet, didn't she? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. But her yeah. left foot was too severely damaged to repair and had to be amputated below the knee. Uh, she's regained her appetite and some weight after uh, various uh, medications made her sick. She continues to battle pain, depression, and uncertainty. Uh, she was on the ride June 21st. That's how long ago. The cable broke, severing her feet. The ride was closed after the accident, lifting passengers 177 feet, then dropping its speeds more than 50 miles an hour. This really wasn't the big pick-me-up story that I was hoping to end this segment with, but what can you do? All right, fantastic. 
You want to give your mouth a rest there, Tim? I do, yes. All right, fantastic. Tim Riley <laughs> will return at the bottom of the hour uh, with uh, more from the Ministry of Truth later on. Tim Riley's top five songs he hated playing as a DJ, James Roop. Tickets to I Am Legend. Uh, Richie, oh, I'm, we have to use the bell, I guess. Richie Bristol, oh. can, can you uh, bring a comedian? I don't like the bell when I'm forced to use the bell. I'm sorry. I don't have mine. I'll get it during a break. I'll give you mine. We should use your bell to make Richie get my bell. Uh, Richie, if you can uh, please to be bringing a uh, comedian, Craig Gas. Uh, Don't suck uh, yourself out and say Kyle Gas accidentally. No, I'm going to ask him right now. I've got it written down here at the top. Are you related to Kyle Gas? Wait, hold on. Let's see. I think he might have left. He's been waiting for so long. That's fine. He's doing an an impersonation of somebody who's not here. Uh, All right. And Richie's following him with the camera. Oh, and of course I forgot my guest headphones. Uh, Richie Bristol. Uh, can you do two things for me? Uh, you're going to be You're, you're not going to want to use those. That's going to be a bad thing if you use those. Richie, can you do me a favor? Can you, A, go get the Richie Bell off my desk? It's near my... Uh... I think the headphones take priority over that. Well, no, but I'm saying while you're up there. Also, in my, the drawer, the right, if you're sitting in my chair, the right-hand drawer, will you get the guest headphones out of there, the ones that look just like this? Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, comedian, impersonator, extraordinaire. Hey, and, uh, an actor. And... Actor and guy who looks nothing like I expected him to, Craig Gass. Hello, and sir. you too. I thought you were going to be older. You're a young guy. Thank you. I, I thought you were going to be older when I when uh, we had our first conversation and we were talking about how much you love Kiss. I pictured you being an older guy. That's very kind of you to say. I appreciate that. Uh, how about Sarah? Let me ask you this: Do you feel that right now Sarah looks more like a a hooker, b a clown, a clown or c perfect in every way? Perfect in every way. That's what I'm Rick, saying. It was all just it was all just to see to diffuse the tension. Early no, it's on. to diffuse your tension. So no, what, being an what is uh, as an outsider to this show? What is the working relationship you guys have? Like how how, 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 do you mean? how would you describe? How would you summarize your relationship? Rick goes a little too far on the air sometimes, especially today when he gets nervous and he starts to run his mouth a little bit, just like his introduction that he just nervous about what though? What does he get nervous about? I think he's about, he's about call what am I nervous? No, I've got it written down right here. Are you related to Kyle Gass? Nope. So there you go. <laughs> Done. Yeah, we get along quite uh, Interview plenty. over. Yeah. Except for Rick doesn't really go out and do anything, and I do. No, I try uh, I try to avoid people or social contact in any way at all times. You know what's weird? I've been working in radio for 15 years now, as long as I've been doing comedy. Uh, well, now, almost, where do you, where do, you do radio? Years. Uh, I've been working, uh, well, I started in Seattle with uh, Bob Rivers, Twisted Radio. Casey, okay. Um, uh, yeah, well, we started at another station up there. What do I plug in here? Uh, you know, you can do that right over here. Uh, I got it. I got it there. Um, started out. Yeah, all right. Perfect. There we go. Sweet spot on the volume knob. And, uh, I, uh, I started out with Bob Rivers, and then while I was working for Bob Rivers, I started working for Howard Stern, uh, in 1995. Um, and then, uh, I started, uh, um, writing for the show for Howard in 1998, um, he really liked what I was doing and asked me to start writing for the show. So I packed up my stuff. I moved out to New York, moved in with another comedian named Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. And moved in with Mitch and uh, started writing for Howard, writing for Saturday Night Live, um, for Weekend Update, and started getting more and more gigs. And then there was a huge uh, vacancy that was left at the Howard Stern show when Jackie the Joke Man quit the show. They asked me to come in for two days to see if there's any chemistry between me and Howard. And then uh, after two days, Gary Delavate came in and said, okay, so listen, so here's the deal. I just, <laughs> okay, so I just got off the phone with Howard, and he likes what you're doing. He just wants you to just keep coming back and just keep doing what you're doing. That's that really happened, creepy man. is what that is. <laughs> I th- that's really funny, man. I think, and Sarah can correct me on this, uh, but I do think this is the first time we've had somebody who does impressions. or Are impressions and impersonations the same thing? Is there a difference? 
Um, I, from my understanding of it, and I honestly don't care. I mean, even when I go on stage and someone goes, uh, "All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Grass." I don't even care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't take anything that I do that seriously. But uh, the, I, uh, my understanding of an impression, by definition, is a guy who does uh, is is a voice. That's an impression. An impersonation is someone who looks and sounds like somebody. And by the way, I was actually on this ridiculous show this summer called uh, Next Best Thing. Um, I got talked into this idea. They said, uh, we want you to be on this show. We're looking for the best celebrity impersonator in the country. And we're looking for uh, people who look and sound like people. And, and I mean, there are people on this planet that are dedicated to looking and sounding like people. Uh, they live their whole life. For somebody, well, it's uh, like it's like in the '80s, there was all the guys who looked like Michael Jackson, and there still are. And there was a day. freaky guy in Star Search who looked like Kenny Rogers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And and, uh, and there's a, a guy and girl, Britney wannabes now. Uh, there's that Paris Hilton girl too. There's that girl that makes her whole living looking like British Paris Hilton. She was on the yeah. show. She's not yeah. British. She she's was, not British. Uh, no, okay. well, the one that I worked with was just like uh, just a regular American skank. She was. Uh, <laughs> she uh, and she. And what was so weird about it is she looked and sounded like Paris. She was really dumb. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember uh, we were in a car heading over to a rehearsal, and and um, someone said, "Oh yeah, it's kind of like um, yeah, you know they, you know those announcements they make on NBC where they go oh, and and don't forget next week blah, 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 in a very special NBC." And she looked at the guy and went, "You're the guy that does voices on TV." And I was like, "What?" Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what, "Are you serious?" And here's the crazy thing: the fake Paris only wanted to hang out with the fake Bono. Okay, that's weird. Like, that is kind she, of weird. She really is, like, into the hierarchy of, you know, he's... You suppose at some point she forgets that she's not really Paris? I don't know. Like, but she's like, I, I don't know. I, well, I, dude, the the fake Bono had this whole, like, he really does help uh, out people in his free time. <laughs> and it was so weird. Like, he was telling me... And he's so engaging. You know how they have those stories about Bill Clinton that they say, if you meet Bill Clinton, he really is this engaging and really personable, charismatic guy that you just kind of fall under a spell? I felt that with this fake Bono. He's looking at me going, yeah, man, I'll tell you, Craig, you know, back in the day when we were kids, you know, it was about trying to get chicks and trying to get laid, but now it's... It's about helping each other out, you know? And I was like, totally. I want to make out with you right now, Bono. I'm totally into what you're saying, man. Did oh you my call God. him fake Bono to his face, or did you actually call him Bono? I kept calling him Bono. At the end of, at, at the, end of the rap of the whole semifinals of this competition, he goes, uh, hey, Craig, where are you going after the competition, man? I go, oh, I'm, I'm going to uh, Cancun. I got a I got a week of shows on the beach in Cancun. Where are you going, Bono? And he goes... I'm going to Chicago to help out the battered women in Chicago. <laughs> and he really was. Fantastic. Leaving. Yeah, the guy was totally into it. At the audition is when I first realized there's people that really take this thing seriously. Um, they asked me to do the show, and the executive producer said, well, um, God, you know it would be great? Put on a beanie and a trench coat and come down and do your Sam Kinison, and it'll blow everybody away. And I thought, that's really embarrassing. That's That's... that's because uh, I don't look anything like Sam. I don't look like anything like anybody that I do an impression of. So I thought the two people I look remotely closest to is maybe Adam Sandler and Al Pacino. So I just threw on a baseball cap and I went down and just did the voices. Now, have you ever tried to structure, have you ever tried to pick up a new impression based on, like, your appearance? No. Like, have you ever thought about doing that? Like, well, I look like so-and-so. I should learn their voice. No. Uh, I've been told uh, a couple different people over the years, like um, random people from Nikki Six to Bruce Willis. I to... can see Nikki Six. I really can, actually. Yeah. And uh, and so I've been told a lot of different people. And, and uh, 
But for me, it's just the voices are just there. I've always been able to do voices. I've always been able to do impressions. And it's because I grew up in a family, and this is not a joke. This See, is... we were talking about this. Sort of, I didn't mean to step on you, but we were on Wikipedia. It was the thing about growing up in a family where there was it was your parents were deaf or you had a deaf My whole family. Sister. Okay. Everyone. And, and, and I said, and I said, it is a true story, but on Wikipedia, you can never really know sometimes. Right. Like, if they're just, you know, it was raised by a colony of lepers. With the whole, you know. <laughs> and I read it, and I thought, I thought, that's a great story. And I thought, you know, even if it's not true, which I guess it is. Even if it's not true, that is that is such an amazing story that like it ought to be true. Yeah, it's it it's true. It's uh, my mom was born completely deaf from a birth defect, and uh, my dad was born with all of his hearing. And then he lost over seventy five percent of his hearing when he was a kid. He got into a freak accident that popped out his eardrum, so he had to go oh, to deaf school. For the rest of his life, where he met my mom at an all-deaf high school, and they fell in love and got married. They had my sister first, who was born in my mom's genes, completely deaf, and then I was born with my dad's genes, with all my hearing. So I'm the only one in my family who can hear. So you had no template to work from. It was the, to speak. Yeah. yeah, to speak. I and I never got an accent. It's really interesting that when you call someone, like you always, the reason we sound the way that we do and deaf people sound the way that they do is because we uh, listen to each other and we try to fit in and we adjust to what we hear around us. And we pick up our goofy accent, our goofy little uh, inflections from our family, our immediate family. And it's like, have you ever called your best friend and someone picks up the phone in that house and you think it's your best friend? And it could be somebody of the opposite sex in the same family. Right. But they've all learned how to pick up the phone and go, mellow. Yeah. Like little <laughs> little nuances like that. And because my family was deaf, I had kind of free range. And, and so and, with the television, you and, just would watch mm -hmm. TV and just pick up stuff from... I never got an accent from the Bronx where I grew up. I grew up in Mount Vernon right next to the Bronx. And uh, and I just grew up and I would mimic all the voices I heard on TV. And, uh, you know, although everybody in the Bronx sounds like... Uh, uh, like Tracy Morgan has a very it's a very easy voice for me to do because it sounds like everybody grew up with everybody in the Bronx talk like this yes mm -hmm. whether oh, you're black or white okay. male or female that's crazy if I may that's crazy make a little bit of editorial comment here that's freaking me out because it's <laughs> like to see that voice come out of, of you and I know you guys hold this all the time it's kind of, kind of bending my brain by yeah. the way if you get tired we have the Tina Yather's celebrity stool there that you can sit <laughs> oh really yeah <laughs> Tina Yather's buttocks have, I mean not she directly, actually sat in that through chair. fabric really yeah, are you a big Tina Yather's fan did you have an obsession with her uh, well as a kid we had a, I had a crush on her when I was a kid and then we had her um, she was in town for like a Nutrisystem thing or whatever because she was on celebrity fat lose biggest club or yeah, whatever yeah. it was and she was she was in town for that and so we had her in the studio and she still looks uh, good by the way and then she gave me this like full like one of those hugs like she was making a body mold for like a like a brazier it was like a full-on full body hug which is great and so now you've been so thinking now, about that for oh a while. man in the dark hours Talks at night uncomfortable uh, <laughs> really it's so the only time he wouldn't look me in the eyes when he started remembering to that hug <laughs> some so someday when they fire me here some guys have like the box of stuff in their office all you i'm taking is the chair is the chair <laughs> we so stole from quiznos yeah exactly which is a, yeah, it's a quiznos chair that's how trashy we are i had a lot of crushes i had a crush on christy mcnichol yeah um, blair and joey from uh Facts of life. Don't the, the Blair thing. If you haven't Lisa Welch, don't go look at current photographs of her. If you haven't already, she really, stay away. Really, it's kind of like uh, she was left out uh, in the Mojave for a few months. Like you hear, like you look at that, like what is it? That pemmican, it's like dried sort of, really? you know, like a dried apricot. And she's the crazy Bible thumper lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's become all Jesusy and weird. Yeah, yeah you I don't want to stay away from that. Christy McNichol always had a weird. I always kind of sensed that Christy McNichol had like an early expiration date on her anyway, because she was sort of butch. Yeah. And the, the, it, it, butch women sort of age exponentially in my. Well, in that's my kind experience. of funny because I was attracted to, to Christy McNichol. I was attracted to Joe, uh, uh, the tough chick on Facts. Yeah. Life. I was attracted to Pinky. Yeah. I was into like I was into like tough chicks. 
I had a, I had a crush on my uh, crossing guard uh, when I was uh, in second grade. I, I wrote her a note. Said, I, I think you're very pretty. And I was oh. <laughs> gay. But, but the weird thing about the Christy McNichol thing, I didn't realize this. I ended up having a, a crazy sex thing uh, on Sex in the City with a girl that uh, Christy McNichol. Dude, you were was... so gross on that episode. That is like <laughs> that stands out in my mind as so, the worst, one of the worst things I've ever seen. Well, so, so let's before we plunge headlong into this, so to speak. Let's. Um, <laughs> it was not intentional. I'm sorry. That really was. Um, we're talking to Craig Gas. Uh, it's MySpace.com/slash/CraigGas. And is, you had IHateComedians.com. Is that no longer there? Is it up? Is it a down? bunch of Howard Stern fans were waiting for it to expire, and I think and they like, snapped it up. The day that it expired, yeah. they jumped on it. So I'm, I'm going to get a new one. And there's a bunch of TV stuff coming out next year. God, I've got so much to talk to you about. I'm ready to hang. I've got stories, man. <laughs> Luckily for you, I have got stories. Luckily, I have Mike didn't say I have no life or show prep done today. So, my friend, we are simpatico today. All right, cool. Um, cool. Uh, so, uh, you're going to be at the Back Alley Nightclub in Vancouver Friday and Saturday? No. This is unorthodox. Oh, Saturday right. and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. One okay, show pleasure. Saturday, one show Sunday. So you Sunday. staying in town until your show? Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna hang out. I'm staying at a great hotel. I'm staying at a residence inn, big, huge ass room with. But but I'm not even there. I'm like I have to go out and promote, so I'm not even in my room, and it's and it's like an apartment, you know. And I'm not even there. The residence inn down by the river. Uh, I think they just built that. Yeah, I, don't know if you want to... I don't even know what a residence. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Should I get on my room number? <laughs> For talking purposes, come down and see me at the residence. Okay, I swear to God. Now this is not. I know this is a hand, and we'll get back to the Sex in the City thing. So this is a. Um, so, Sarah and I, if we have any sort of trepidation mm-hmm. about or nerves about interviewing you, it's for two different reasons. All right. Uh, for Sarah, it's because she knows you from Sex in the City. Which it was disturbing, and I had something very awful and very sexual in that. So, we will talk about that in a second. And for me, of course, it's it's because we talked uh, on the phone, I think, earlier this year, something like that, and you blew me away with the, with the Sam Kinison impression. And so, oh, that's right. speaking, and you called the show as Sam. because oh and, and God, at that point, right. I think we only had a part-time call screener at that point. Because Scotty, <laughs> and, and I think Who the show was, care? and he wasn't there that day. I right. think we were taking the calls, like, unscreened. Right. And so I'm like, uh, all right, line five, you know, hello. And and then I, and I, and then you just, I, I said, you know, Rick Emerson show, and then suddenly, you're like, Rick, you know. I go, hey, Rick, it's, it's Sam Kinison, and I'm calling from hell. We've been getting your show down in hell. It's uh, on a live feed, and I just want to call you until you got a lot of fans here. Down in hell. We think you're the best. Oh! oh! <laughs> Oh, oh my God! I thought this guy was dead. He's not dead. This guy came back from an AA meeting. Jesus! So there you go. So my skin is crawling. Dude, I've got so many stories about Sam. I got uh, people who have been close to Sam. Did you meet him when he was alive? Were you ever? Yes, I actually have a videotape of me when I was 17 years old or 18 years old. I have a lot of friends in the music business. My first love, my first passion was music. And I used to book and promote concerts um, uh, all around the Southwest. I started managing bands from the age of 15 till I was 23. And I used to book and promote concerts uh, in Tucson, Phoenix, Albuquerque, El Paso. And that was my first love. And um, uh, I used to go to these music industry events uh, all the time. And I have a lot of friends in the music industry. I actually went on tour uh, this summer with uh, Alice in Chains, which is a whole other story. I was their opening act on tour on their, on their dates in between the Velvet Revolver dates. I also got to open for Metallica. Um, uh, a couple years ago. So you're opening doing stand-up or opening... Doing stand-up. Yeah, in front of Metallica. It was Lars's 
that is actually a great story because, and we're going all over the place. Someone needs to like make notes of where we're going because we have to like backtrack to some of these stories. Let me just tell you, you're on the right show for this sort of uh, okay, cool. free form. We do a lot of hyperlinking on the show where we mentally click on links and then we're suddenly 15 web pages away from where we started. Yes. We have no idea and there's no back button. But somewhere like, in yeah, the middle there's points. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but I'm telling you, there's a there's an amazing story behind the the uh, meeting. Lars was actually uh, Lars over to drummer Metallica was by. Uh, accident. I was in St. Louis. Uh, a friend of mine who has a radio show out there, he's now in San Francisco. Uh, I went in to join him to, to promote my shows I was doing in, in St. Louis. And the day that I walked in to promote my gig, he had gotten Lars Ulrich on the phone from his house in San Francisco. And he knew it was an exclusive, so he kept Lars on the phone for an hour and a half with no music, uh, no commercials, and no delay. And Lars was cursing every other word. And uh, I walk in, I'm like, are we, are we still going to do this? Because I know you're going to wrap up in, in about 20 minutes. And he couldn't get rid of him. And we're having a discussion about how to get rid of Lars while Lars is just talking. Fantastic. And uh, so finally my friend goes, oh, I, he goes, I, I know how to get rid of him. I, I, he goes, hey, Lars, I I do, but, okay, well, let me just, okay, look, let me just bring you off right, right there. Uh, for, for those of you joining the broadcast, we have Lars Ulrich on the phone from his house in San Francisco. Lars Ulrich from Metallica. And Lars, you're not going to believe this, but we have some other special guests. And he started waving me to the microphone. And I go, he goes, we have uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley from KISS are in the studio. And apparently they're, they have a bone to pick with you. And Lars is going, is it really Paul and Gene? Yeah, it is. It's Paul, Gene, come over here and say hi. And, uh, hey, what's going on, Lars? It's Paul Stanley. And this is Gene Simmons from KISS. Now, I'm going to get right to the point, Lars. A lot of people steal from KISS. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows. But I think on the new Metallica record, I think you've gone a little too far. I'll give you a perfect example. Name one song on the new Metallica record that's totally original. And Lars is going, I think most of the songs are pretty original, I think. Right. But if you had to pick one song, I guess if I had to pick one song, it'd probably be... And he gave me a song title, and I said... That's a great song, Lars, but I'm going to be honest with you. I liked it a lot better the first time I heard it when it was called Beth. And he goes, what? <laughs> How do you hear Beth in the middle of Metallica's song? And, and he started arguing for five minutes with a fake Gene Simmons <laughs> and a fake Paul Stanley. And we're on the air. And then my buddy goes, uh, he goes, hey, Lars, uh, I'll cut you off one more time. Uh, we have uh, a talk radio station next door um, who uh, they have a movie review guy who gets really big movie stars in the studio every Friday uh, for the big movie reviews. And he actually has Tom Arnold in the studio next door who wants to talk to you. Do you mind saying hi to him? Is it really Tom Arnold? Yeah, it is, buddy. Hey, what's going on? Uh, I just want to tell you that, uh, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but I, I used to be married to Roseanne. I met you back in the day. I love fat women and cocaine, and, and he's having a conversation with Tom Arnold and Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, and then the guy goes, uh, hey, Lars, uh, I hope you don't mind, but uh, Christopher Walken's here, and he goes, is that really Christopher Walken? Of course. Listen, Lars, I love your albums. You, everything you do is <laughs> always top-notch. Your music is some of the best poetry I've ever heard. Battery, you cannot stop the battery. <laughs> Pulling your obsession, feeding... I don't remember the lyrics. <laughs> I'm trying to remember that. But it cannot stop the battery. Battery. And then Lars, going back and forth, and at one point the guy goes, Hey, uh, Lars, uh, listen, Sam Kennison is in the studio. And Lars is like, Didn't that guy die like 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah, but I'm here, buddy. Listen, I don't know if you remember this, but I left some blow at your house. <laughs> you jerk. Don't think I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I need to get that stuff back, buddy. And Lars is like, 
who the hell is all these? And they go, hey, well, it's actually, it's a comedian. I'm sorry. And I go, hey, Lars, my name's Craig Gass. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for being a good sport. And he said, dude, are you going to be in St. Louis when we get there? And I go, no, I actually I have to go to Los Angeles, but uh, I wish I was, man. He said, well, dude, next time you're at a Metallica show, please, I want to meet you. I want to hang out with you. And I was like, what? And that in itself, I thought, how cool is that? And I'm looking at my buddy, and I said, Thank you, man. I'm so excited. A week later, I get a phone call from Gary Delabate. He goes, Hey, Craig, it's Gary Delabate. Huh. So huh. listen, something really funny just happened. I, I just got off the phone with a guy from Electra Records, and apparently one of the guys from Metallica wants to get a hold of you, man. <laughs> and I called up this guy from Electra Records, and he said, Listen, I don't know who you are, but uh, apparently um, Lars wants to know what you're doing next week. And I said, well, I'm going to go visit my mom and my sister in Tucson. Why? What's going on? And he goes, well, Lars wants to fly you to Denver, Colorado, to do a radio show with him, which uh, we're going to do a couple times next year uh, called Late Night with Lars, where he takes over a radio station, and they syndicate it uh, to 20, 30 markets, and he's playing all his favorite like old you know, heavy metal stuff, and I'm his comedic sidekick. Sight unseen. He flew me to Denver, and we became friends, and I ended up hanging out with him a little bit on that tour where they were playing football stadiums, and um, they came to New York a couple months later, uh, to do a special event in New York to play a private concert. And I called him up and said, hey, Lars, if you guys had any balls, uh, you guys would let a comedian open for Metallica. And I got a message from later that night. I still have a message on my phone. He said, hey, man, it's Lars. And um, I talked to James and some of the other guys. And, yeah, you're all good. Come on down and do 15, 20 minutes for whatever it is you do. And, um, and have some fun, huh? Huh? And I came down and I opened for Metallica, and uh, Lars uh, was announcing on the air that a comedian was opening up. He said, uh, you guys know your friend Craig Gass is opening for the for the band. And I called up, and I said, dude, could you not announce that I'm going to be there? I don't want people to know there's a comedian from Metallica. They're going to kill me. And he goes, well, dude, just take it easy. I'll, I'll go on stage, and I'll say, hey, listen, Metallica's going about 20 minutes from coming out to kick your ass. But first, I'm going to bring a friend of mine who's going to tell you some jokes. And I was like, are you crazy? I'm going to get murdered by them. And he, I said, just give me the microphone and let me talk to the crowd. And I announced to the audience I was a, an employee of Metallica, and they need to know that tonight's a special event because we're recording a live album. And the place went Oh, of nuts. course, because then they're already on your side. Yeah, and yeah. I said, now listen, I need, you to, I need your attention because I need you to know there's proper ways to yell on a live album. And I started walking the audience through yelling exercises on how to properly yell, and I started easing into my stand-up to say I open up for Alice in Chains on tour and... And uh, that's the Metallica story, man. That's the there best, you go. That's the best story that's ever been told on the show. So yeah. there you go. We're gonna we're gonna dip it in bronze, and I'm gonna hang it right there next to the. You TV. know what? I've got uh, at least eight more on deck ready to come out. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't think that anyone talked more than you. Good lord, man. I'm sorry. I feel like no, no, it's no, good. no, it's no, entertaining and it's awesome. <laughs> you know what? You're a chatty Catholic. Uh, I was gonna say we've had people, and I won't name anybody. We have had people. We have this guy actually one time. And I forget who it even was, and we'll have to break here in a second. We'll come back. Uh, but, but we have this guy. Jesus, I remember why he called, but there was some some guy called up at one point, and he was he was plugging something or other. Some, Steven, some, was it Steven Seagal? No, it wasn't Steven Seagal. Worst oh, Jesus. interview ever. Worst, w really? It was like his energy level was so low that it could not even be graphed. It was just <laughs> no, really. And we thought we were being like, we do have to take a break here in a second, but they, 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 they come back. Craig Gas is here. It's myspace.com/slash Craig Gas. But I just say that 
Steven Seagal was going to be on because his blues band uh, was in town. Where he was going to, you know, he was going to, he was going to play the blues as only uh, the white guy oh, with a ponytail yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I, you know, and I did this big, you know, and I'm, a, you know, I'm a dorky the white Gen Xer, you know, the, you know, so I'm, you know, above the law, hard to kill, out for justice, all of those Steven Seagal films. <laughs> and I'm doing this huge. Well, you saw, as Sarah has pointed out, that whenever we have anybody in the show with any degree of fame. I just become even more spastic and retarded than I normally am. Some of this huge overture, you know, action star, the first white man to ever be trained in a dojo in Japan, blues legend, Steven Seagal. Where did blues legend get thrown in? And I just, you know, and I'm just totally ramping up to like, because you expect Ted Nugent. Who, of course, is like just a motor mouth and just sounds cracked out all the right. time. Right, and with that big so, ramped up yeah, introduction. Totally. And Nugent comes on and he's oh, just, you know, and he's totally. But so I'm doing the huge ramp up. And ladies and gentlemen, will you please wear the stream at your girl? And then literally. You sound like Trey Parker in the movie. It, it is literally just like all of. How's it going? <laughs> she was there, man. He was whispering. And it was, it was almost it, below a whisper. It was sort of like he was on and his. And he didn't want to talk about any of his films. It was, it was like Brando at the end of Apocalypse Now is. You know, it was, and I'm like, and Sarah and I, Sarah. And since he had to talk, I'm laughing hysterically. I, I can turn my microphone off, and Rick's trying to have an interview with him. And I was just going to say, and, you know, Sarah and I. out to dry. He just oh, yeah. There hanging. oh, yeah. Sarah and I, Sarah and I do love each other in a brother-sister kind of way, but there are moments uh, when, there are, mo- there are moments where one of us just cuts and runs on the other. And as soon as, as soon as a Steven Seagal is, and, and, and I looked at Sarah, and she reached over, and she turned off her mic, and she kind of did the whole shrug like a, have fun. And li- for the next ten minutes, if you listen back to it, it is me desperately trying to wring some kind of comedy, which I guess I did in sort of Dada-esque kind of fashion where it became like inversely funny. But me, you'll hear me trying not to laugh. And and as I'm saying, you know, and, 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 and I asked him, and we really do honestly have to break it, but I, I said something like, I'm just punting. I'm like, maybe, okay, I'll go into his wheelhouse. He won't talk about Kelly DeBrock. He won't talk about the movies. He won't talk about martial arts. I'm like, so Steven Seagal, a blues legend, uh, (laughs) please please to tell me about your blues show tonight. And he goes, you know, um, sometimes, sometimes you just, uh, you got it in you and it's got to come out. I love that. And then he didn't even end up singing, wasn't he? Just lip syncing. No, and no, and he, no, when he came to, and then he came to Dante's and he played the show at Dante's, and it was like the crack band of like studio guys, probably you know, like professional side. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the band is fantastic, and apparently he would do what I saw Ace Fraley do one time at a club in Eugene, where Ace was just so, like. I don't think Ace knew he was on stage, or he didn't know where or what year. And so he would do the thing of forgetting the microphone was there. And so Ace, this is exactly what Steven Seagal would do. Ace would do this thing. So Ace is on stage, and they go into whatever, like, shock me. And I can't do the Ace voice or anything. But he's doing the whole... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so Ace is there, and they're going to shock me, and it's... And he goes, you know... <laughs> and he's in the back of the stage, really? still singing, like but Larry, like standing by the drum. Kit. Like Larry Bud Melman, he's like actually off mic. You would only get the rest of the song as like a drive-by, as he would wander by the microphone, like <laughs> on his way to somewhere. He was doing Christopher Cross. Yeah, so, What's the near that wire? So that's Steven Seagal. Uh, we got to take a break. We'll come back. Comedian Craig Gass is here. <laughs> He'll be at the Back Alley Nightclub in Vancouver Saturday and Sunday. 
MySpace.com <laughs> slash Craig Gass. Back with Tim Riley. More of Craig Gass. Yes! Jim coming up later on. Tell him about it! Rick Everson Radio Show. Say that. Rick! It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Uh, also, tickets to see I Am Legend, the new uh, Will Smith film, which is next Monday, uh, the 10th. Let's see, what else? Uh, also, the top five, Tim Riley's top five songs he loathed playing as a DJ. Let's look at it. By the way, just a side note, somebody sent this to me. This is both great and terrible. Apparently, my whole thing about Storm Large was actually done by the Willamette Week. Oh, yeah, oh, I guess funny. They actually did the yeah, terrible... Yeah, it's in today's. So, Some of them are hilarious. Really. Sorry about that. So there you go. And so page 11 uh, in the uh, Willamette, they got a whole thing about Storm Large. Not her, the most recent force of nature. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, he is your new god. He's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Born by the devil. Who is that? <laughs> That's Tracy Morgan, yo. Never seen a black guy. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> it's crazy. I suppose that would be. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on, Tim. What's happening? Uh, we have some uh, sheltered amnules. That's uh, crazy. Stra- stranded by the floods in Washington. Mm-hmm. We're going to give them away here in Portland. Sorry, on his mic. So, so we're, we're taking the animals of people from Washington State and giving them away here. Yeah. Uh, the Oregon Humane Society has 11 dogs and one bunny rabbit from Ooh, the Lewis I County like Animal Shelter in Chevelis. 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 Let me just... So while well, these people are in tears, losing their homes, we're taking away their pets and giving them away here. Your tax dollars Is this like work. the deer? The sto- it's just like Snowball, Snowball the deer. <laughs> We haven't heard anything about snow. Oh, and apparently, we don't talk about snow. And just in case you're, in case you're not depressed enough, apparently there was a nursing home that was completely flooded in St. Helens yesterday. So there you go. Oh. Who would want to spend their dying day in St. Helens? Well, well. Can you please put me in a St. Helens nursing home? If you have to shun me and forget about me, can it please be near Skepoos? It's very pastoral here. <laughs> Seriously. So the iron boot of God continues to punish the less fortunate. <laughs> Uh, U-Haul is offering free storage help to thousands who have suffered losses in the recent storms. They're giving families 30 days of free storage in the wake of home and property damage. So if you have a dead body you want to get rid of, blame it on somebody else. Uh, the U-Haul on Sandy Boulevard will take it. And the one on 82nd, I wonder what's already there in the first place. The U-Haul on 82nd Avenue. I, I, one I got only... friends over there. What's up, Krusty? Large amounts of furniture and severed limbs, I would imagine. Uh, what else do we have here? About 23,000 people in Clanton County without power, along with 300 uh, customers in Lincoln City. Uh, to the south, Seaside has several gas stations open using generators or hand cranks. <laughs> hand cranks. <laughs> I just picture a woman in like the big, like with the, you know, like the polygamist bonnet or something, like down by the river, just whacking it, whacking her, you know, like on a rock with a stick. <laughs> uh, Zodiacs are arriving in the town of Renonia to help out. Those are boats. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is bad. At least five people were shot this afternoon at an Omaha mall. Ouch. The Mall of Omaha. 
A Los Angeles woman who was called Miss California roughly two weeks ago has been told she's not really a Miss California. They counted wrong. Uh, Christina Silva is a 24-year-old actress who thought that her star was ascended when she was found out to be the new Miss California. No, it was bad news. They miscounted. She has to give the crown everything back. The sash, the crown, the Miss California necklace worth $4,500. But she'll also get $1,500 back that she paid to enter the contest. She hired a lawyer. Damn. Who's going to be Miss California, Beyonce? What an odd show we're this having is an odd program. This Can time. I just tell you this, and just by way of a side note, uh, I mentioned this earlier, and Susan Reynolds, do you ever, do you ever, let me, let me ask you this, do you ever say something to somebody, and then something, regret it? No, 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 something bad, Not like you're, something you're feeling self-conscious about, and you mention it to somebody, hoping that they will go, oh, no, 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 it really wasn't that bad. No, 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 you're, no, you're overthinking it, but no, it's, you know, it's fine. Every time I apologize to my wife and kids. <laughs> so he's in, I was at this department head meeting this morning. And they go around the room and they ask you know, the program each station, each program director, and each you know whatever, like what's what's going on at KCMD. And I, I was just and I, well, you can hear me today. I'm just to sort of despite can't to find this news coverage during the storm. <laughs> I did station no, no, no. Portland Metro that area. did a, get by the way. I was I, up at the crack of dawn, even before the crack. That got a huge <laughs> accolade. Seriously, no fooling, Tim. Somebody from, noticed that from the general manager. Your Ooh, storm reports you. from the from the new GM. Got I a thought big... he was going to give me a little dog. Well. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just going to say, no, 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 he, no, you got big uh, kudos, as they say in management, from the GM for that. They, they really don't say it the, that way, though. The they, storm. Don't, they don't hesitate and have a hiccup with it. Uh, the, kudos. Um, but so I was stringing my words together really badly. I just wasn't able to form sentences very well today. I was kind of stammering. And I know the feeling. I'm starting to get the feeling back. Sound all Novocaine. And I just thought, was talking to Susan Reynolds, the marketing director here in the hallway, and I said, I said, oh, yeah, boy, I was just a... But you knew it. Why were you so... Because I was hoping that she would sort of prop up this Potemkin We've all... esteem that I've got today. And so I said, so I was really bad in the department meeting. And she goes, oh, yeah, I noticed that. I'm like, well, thanks. <laughs> and it was like a sort of a body blow, like right into the whole... Like I was waiting for her to go, no, no, no you sounded fine. She's like, no, 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 that did not sound like the old Rick. You just really couldn't talk at all today. Did you just do a soundbite from Punch-Out? Yeah, I did. Nice. Body blow. <laughs> Uppercut. Yeah, exactly. Uppercut. I, ball, ball. <laughs> Body um, blow. Body blow. Hi, hi Tim. This is a kooky morning show, isn't it? it really, we've just, we've just, we've just, we've just morphed into something all together. All right. Uh, do we have a uh, watch? No, we do. We have the joy of Christmas. All right. It's time for another exciting installment of Rick Emerson's Joy of Christmas. <laughs> I do believe it is indeed. I used to have one with children singing, but then it sounded like we were executing the children it against a wall. Yeah, that was wow. So we've, we're going to be killing an imaginary rodent instead. Yes. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Thieves have stolen 16 metric tons of ham and bacon from a warehouse in Australia, leaving behind a message taunting the business just weeks before the holiday season. Thanks. Merry Christmas. The crooks had dobbled on a wall at the Zaman Ham and Bacon Cures Warehouse in Sydney. I do like the idea of a thief with a little bit of style, though. Like, just enough panache that he actually leaves behind some sort of a taunting note. <laughs> the employees of the uh, the slaughterhouse returned to work and found a hole in the side of the wall. The stolen meat is worth $88,000. It appeared that the thieves had manhandled the meat. <laughs> I don't See, know what that means. No, really? But before you even got to the phrase manhandled the meat, mm -hmm. I was already going to go to a thing about meat coming through a hole in the wall. And then it's like you were already on to some other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were already on some other thing. I can, I can revisit that. That's okay. No, it's all right. Okay, so uh, let's see. Where were we here? I don't know. Well, meat. they found a hole in the wall, and thieves had manhandled the meat through that hole. 
No. Uh, <laughs> I just are, I never, are we supposed to be taking batting practice? No, I didn't know you're supposed I, to be lobbing to I, I have. I told Sarah in the hallway today that my it, whatever, like my sort of internal, like my compass for, for what to comment on and what's funny and what's to, over the line today. It's not just that it's wrong. It's like it's gone. It's like in my dashboard where the OnStar thing would be. It's just not even there. So I honestly today don't even know what to be commenting on and what not to. I just thought I got the thing he wanted me to back off a little bit, so I'm just being quiet. No, no, you may participate. Okay, let's do this. And you don't get to do that on your uh, television program. Please, no. Please to be uh, participating now is Christopher Walken. It appeared that the thieves had manhandled the meat, loaded, uh, loaded several pallets worth of it, through the hole and into a refrigerator truck. Inspector that's, Rodney is. That's great. I love meat. Stories about me always compelling. Continue, Tim. Inspector Rodney Orm said the crime should not be taken lightly or talk about a business that's been a victim and this company would work overtime to make sure all its Christmas orders are filled with pork and bacon. <laughs> Let's hope they handle that meat with care. We're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and put on extra staff. We won't let anyone down. Well, all right. Is that the uh, is that, that the end is, of that is the there's your of joy of Christmas for the love of God. Merry Christmas and also to the Jews and blacks, your holidays as well. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim, have ye more news at the moment or are you uh Oh no, I must uh, uh toddle back up to the newsroom. <laughs> Okay. Very good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, uh, be back uh, the uh, next hour. We actually All right. We actually do clap. Yeah. So uh, Jim Rube will be joining us top five as well. Uh, if you'd like to talk to Craig Gass, by the way, the uh, phone number is 503-733-2970. Yeah, Shane. I I got a story. I don't even know what I was going to ask you. I had filed away something to ask. I wanna, we got to talk gonna, sex in yeah, the city. Yeah, we got to do sex so in the I'll city tell you before what, you... Here's what we're going to do. It, I am just going to remove myself entirely from the microphone. No, so you I don't participate. You, you'd appreciate it. I'm going to get some coffee while you ask the sex in the city. Okay, uh, no, I just want to know about the whole experience. I, I feel like you could just take it yourself. Well, my... I got a phone call from HBO. They said, we want you to do this character on Sex in the City. We want you to date one of the girls on the show, a character named Miranda. And uh, you're going to meet her at a Weight Watchers meeting, so you're going to have to put on some weight for this. I ended up putting on um, uh, over 35 pounds uh, for the show. Yeah, so this real weight is not like, different. not like prosthetic yeah. or No, no, no. I, I, uh, they said you can either put on weight or we can change the material. It's up to you. And I said, no, I'll eat. And I started eating. And, and I said, there's one thing I did every night. I know you're not supposed to eat within three hours of going to bed. And I live across the street from an Italian restaurant, and I would eat huge meals every night right before I went to bed. And what's weird about that is I would wake up hungry. I'd get a full stomach as I'd go to bed, and I'd wake up hungry every morning. And it started this cycle of eating all day, all night. And and uh, I lived three blocks from a Ben and Jerry's, so I was there every day. And I put on about 20 pounds in a month, and um, they shut down production because Sarah Jessica Parker had just gotten pregnant. So they said, we're going to be we're, – we're just on hold. We are – indefinitely on hold. So then you're maintaining. And I kept eating and waiting. Just and then eating and eating. A, another month went by, and uh, they called me up. And at that point, I put on 35 pounds, and then I got the call, hey, we're going to be ready to go. And I played this character who, uh, every time I get together with Cynthia Nixon's character... And let's be uh, circumspect about this. Yes, here. I love to uh, perform and... and, uh, and To it, please her in a special way. I love to please her, and she has such a great reaction to it. There's just a huge, huge ending to it every time I do it. 
and uh, and it gets really uh, messy. Now, so can I ask what they what did they use on, on your my face? face? Yeah, they uh, the girls in the makeup department seem to have a lot of fun with that. They started experimenting with uh, first they did clear Jello uh, around my mouth, and but when it dried, welcome it, to the lunch hour. When it dried, it it sealed my mouth shut, and I couldn't move my mouth. <laughs> then they tried to decide to go with a, like a little thicker, more chunkier Jello, but that looked. Uh, uh, I can't Chunky? even say it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that looked uh, like... As though uh, your face were covered in cottage cheese. Yeah, it was very disturbing to look at. And then, <laughs> I want to say, but I can't say it. Uh, and then uh, they decided to go with a mixture of some lip balm and and some clear jello. So there's different textures to it. So it looks like there is a little bit of an explosion in my face. See, now I have to go watch it. Now, the thing is, I have to, and you own it. Right? I, yeah, Season I five. The All right, series. I have it's to. It's the episode called CoverGirl. Co- yeah. yeah. See, yeah, I have to see yeah. it now. It's, it's, it's like, there's no way around that. So I put on 35 pounds. I'm so big and gassy by the time I get to the set that I think this girl's going to hate me because I started, you know, uh, I, I'd never seen the show, but every girl I knew was flipping out. Like, you're going to be on the greatest show ever. And they were telling me about the girls, and I got my first script. And I'm reading the script, and I go, these girls are whores. Like, what? The, who are these girls? And I'm, like, reading this, because one of the girls, like, a UPS guy walks in her office, and then she just mauls him, you know? And Yeah, and, yeah, that's, that's when she's a little naughty, that episode. Yeah, and, and, and uh, so I was kind of tripping out on, on the thing, and but I was reading in the paper, in the gossip pages on page six, that the girls all hated each other. And there's a lot of tension on the set, and I thought, oh well, they're gonna hate me if uh, if they hate each other. They're really, you know, this girl's gonna hate me. And I walked in. I sat in the makeup room. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and, and Cynthia Nixon were at the at one end. I went to the other end, and uh, and a makeup girl came and said, "Have you met Cynthia yet?" And I go, "No, nah, it's it's cool. I'll, I'll wait till we get out there." And she goes, "No, Cynthia, it's your new boyfriend. This is Craig." I go, "Hey, I'm sorry." And she goes, "What?" I go, "I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It's me." I just feel like I'm in an arranged marriage that involves a lot of, and I just, I feel bad for it. And she goes, no, it'll be fun. It'll be great. And we get out to the set and I had to perform that sex act on Cynthia Nixon for 19 hours. Are you kidding me? From six o'clock in the morning until one o'clock the next morning, my face was, uh, yes. Now for all of the sequences or just for one of them, or did you film all of that? We portion fil- of the filming and we had to film from different angles, from different angles and, a and, and, and a couple different. And here's the too. weird thing: is each of our dates end like in my in my bed, and uh, so we had to keep shooting uh, with different underwear on. No one can even see what underwear we have on. So we had to film like each date ending, and then we had to do all the different angles. And uh, uh, plus, every time I went to kiss her afterwards, which was the whole gist of the thing, is that she didn't like me kissing her because you know it was the messy because of the yeah, jello all over my face and. And so she, um, you know, they had to keep reapplying it, and uh, and I'm laying in bed with her, and I'm asking her questions about her personal because it's so intimate. And I go, so, um, you you have a kid in real life, right? Because that's the reason why she went to Weight Watchers. And she goes, yeah. And I go, oh, so are you married? Or and she goes, no, I'm 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 dating someone. I go, oh, that's cool. How long have you guys been dating? And she goes, uh, you didn't like that? 12 years. And I was like, 12? You've been dating this guy for 12 years? She goes, yeah. And I go, so how's that going? And she goes, eh, whatever. And she got knocked up. That weekend, after a full oh. day of activity, she went home and her man knocked her up. Nine months later, she has a man. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, not you're jumping ahead of the okay, story. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nine months later, she announced that she was having a baby and separating from her man because she's a lesbian. And all my friends were like, "Dude, you turned her gay," and I was like, <laughs> "I was turn her gay." I started her last like attempt of let me see if this will work. You know, I started that kid is my kid. 
That is my kid. All right, oh. I, I have to ask this. As a guy, I have to ask this. So when you are filming the television program where you are simulating uh, this uh, intimate act of love, <laughs> now do they just did put her in like, is she, she's not nude, obviously. They put her in like underwear or like she had some skin color or something? God, or? I want to tell you a story right now, and I can't on the air. Oh, you got to come to the show and ask. Just ask. And just it, it's a back alley nightclub. Uh, it's it's one. That is a guarantee. No, right no, nope, nope, one show, one show Saturday, one show Sunday. Yell out Sex in the City, and I'll tell you the what? story. Right. She had on some thin uh, Victoria's Secret short shorts, and uh, there's more to the story. Something right. happened. There was well, a lot of activity. I mean, look, when there's a lot of friction going on. Something's gonna happen, especially after 19 hours. Especially after 19 hours of me rubbing my face. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, so here's a great story. <laughs> oh, do you want to take some calls? Let me just take some calls here on KCMD Portland. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show with Craig Gas. Hello. Hey, Glaze Donut man, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? All right. Did you just fly in from New York yesterday? Yeah, why did you hear me on the radio yesterday? I did, I did. Nice. You were being bombarded with these, uh, with all these questions. I didn't uh, get a chance to hear uh, how long you've been clean. Uh, you know what? I actually talked that about on the air yesterday. I told this whole story about how I uh, got clean. I, uh, I've, I, uh, three years next Friday, I will be completely drinking clean. or drugs or drugs. Okay. Hey, congratulations. Thank. Are you clean as well or? Oh uh, yeah, eight years. Now eight is, years? It, is, is it yeah. is it improper for me to ask what drugs you were using? You have to no, I love cocaine. Loved it, but uh, uh, <laughs> I and uh, it's kind of a messed up story. I uh, I had this really funny thing happen. I was still living in Seattle when I attempted to go to rehab, and um, uh, I I ended up in the wrong rehab. I called up. Uh, I had insurance for the first time. Uh, um, I started out my career in Seattle. I called up uh, my insurance company, and they said, well, here's a, there's a rehab at this location in town. And so I called the place up, and, and the guy picked up the phone. As soon as he picked up the phone, I knew something about the guy right away, and it was irrelevant. It didn't matter. And I said, uh, uh, listen, I, I, I need some help. And I was brutally honest with him. And at the end of all of my intake questions, he goes, okay, Craig, well, I think we're all set. And I just have one more question. You're a homosexual, right? And I said, I'm a what? And he said, are you a homosexual? And I go, no. And he goes, well, you know, this is a rehab for homosexuals. And I go, it is? And he goes, yeah, didn't your insurance tell you? And I go, no. And he goes, well, we're not gay and lesbian exclusive, but we're gay and lesbian friendly. And I was like, okay. And he said, so are you a homosexual? And I said, no. And he said, do you have a problem with homosexuals? And I said, no. And he goes, all right, we'll see you on Monday. And I checked into a gay rehab. That's for like, uh, it's so bizarre. And the, it, was, it was the perfect place to be because everyone was so sensitive. Everyone was so like, you know... And the toughest person in that place was a lumberjack chick from Oregon. She was from Salem, <laughs> of course. And, of uh, course, she was. Yeah, and fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it was it was great though. But um, but yeah, it, it was the thing is when I checked out of rehab, uh, literally the day I checked out, April thirteenth, nineteen ninety eight, I got on a train cross country and uh, moved in with Mitch Hedberg. So on April sixteenth, when I arrived in New York, I fell off the wagon, not with drugs, but drinking. And, uh, Did you do it because uh, to get you like in comedy mode, like to get in character? No, initially I just did it because it was a way to hang out with the tougher kids uh, and not uh, be a dork, you know. And then I I got really addicted. I got I got I, you know there, like the cool kids, the stoner kids, always thought I was a a dork and kind of stupid. So I did drugs for them to be accepted. And then I just got when I discovered coke, I was just like, wow. This is amazing. Don Headley said the greatest thing uh, about about cocaine one time. He said that he said that 
Smoking pot lets you write songs, but he's like, only cocaine makes you brave enough to go play them for 20000 <laughs> Well, for stand-up comedy, it's hard to do coke when you're doing stand-up comedy. I know Kinnison would do it and get really messed up. Uh, I know a lot of comedians. There was a long period of time, up, literally up until three years ago, I had never been on stage sober, ever, uh, without any kind of drinking, you know, doing comedy for the first 11 years. And uh, But there's just a moment, like, that I just, there was a moment that I crossed, and I just thought, God, I just I got so many cool things going on. I'm taking care of my mom, and why am I doing this? And it just it just kind of hit me, and and so I stopped, and I'm I still take care of my mom. I still send her money every month, and and I pay all of her bills, and uh, and I keep circling around opportunities where I could literally take care of my mom for the rest of her life. So why would I right. why would I do you know? There's a, there's a lot of things that came into place, and and then something just clicked. And it's tough because uh, when, when you're when you're in the middle of it, it's so hard to figure out how to get out. It is because so, you you make your whole life that, and it's so hard to get out. And I did, and and I got lucky. Can, uh, it did not and, convince me. I think George Carlin said that somebody said, "What does cocaine feel like?" And he said, "Well, it's, so what does it make you feel like?" He said, "It makes me feel like having more cocaine." It does. And then it was just like this black hole where everything it was like tunnel vision around this one. You know, thing. The one thing I didn't mention on the air yesterday out of New York was that uh, the the year that I quit, like uh, two months later, my first uh, close friend died, and before the year was over, um, seven of my friends had died from uh, drug overdoses mm. and uh, drinking and driving car accidents. So. Mm. Uh, that's heavy. I'm sorry. No, not I'm at sorry. all. No, it's really you as a person. No, it's, it's your yeah. life. I've, I've literally never talked about it on the air until Monday. Ever <laughs> talked about it. And I never admitted anything on the air. This is the second time. So when that guy asked the question, it kind of caught you know me what? off guard. This is not like the Breakfast Flakes Chuckle Hutch. <laughs> so you can, it doesn't matter, dude. And don't, you don't have to like, don't feel like you have to be like constantly doing shtick or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't, um, uh, and then I actually have a question here in a second. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show with Craig Gass. Hello. Hey, Craig, uh, didn't, weren't you in a movie with Ali Sheedy where you actually did play a deaf guy? Yeah. What was How'd the movie? you know that? Please tell me it was Man's Best Friend. Uh, no, I, oh. it was a movie called Noise, and uh, there was a dream sequence. Um, this is a couple years ago. It was a small movie, and they wanted me to play a deaf guy in a dream sequence. It's a one-day shoot, and the girl that I'm, that's playing my girlfriend in the park in this dream sequence was... Um, uh, I had to teach her sign language because that's the one thing my sister and my mom have always said is if don't if you're gonna have somebody doing sign language with you, don't make it look fake. You know, don't be right. disrespectful to deaf people. You know, make sure you learn the real signs. Now, in the dream sequence, this girl has a dream. She's walking through this park and she sees a deaf couple in love, and they're they're hugging and they're kissing. And as she walks by, all of a sudden, the deaf girl jumps up and yells out, "I don't want the baby. I don't want. I want an abortion. I don't want the baby," and freaks out. And it makes this girl snap out of her dream. And she sits up, and it's something related to something else in the movie. Well, I had to teach this girl, this actress, how to say the word abortion. And I didn't know how to do the word abortion. So I, I emailed my sister and said, how do you do the sign for abortion? She emails me back. I can't understand what she's saying. Right. And I'm like, man, I don't get what she, how she's describing this. I walk out of this Internet cafe, and there's like a group of seven deaf people in front of the Internet cafe. And I walked up, and I was like, oh, my God. And I'm signing to them. Yeah. I said, hi, um... Uh, I just I have a question if, if you can help me and I'm signing to them and I said um, how um, how do you do the the sign for A B O R T I O N abortion and they oh, look God. at me and they go abortion I go yeah abortion and they go oh it's like this and they and they show me the sign I go like this and this is for the word A B O R T I O N and they go yeah and I go thank you and I walked away and they were like that son of a bitch is gonna tell his deaf girlfriend to get an abortion <laughs> Jesus oh oh you jerk thank you sir. Um, <laughs> Okay, then. Uh, can I just tell you this? Here's yeah. it's some, you'll, the thing that happens on the show all the time, a recurring feature of this program, is that I have a great idea or something I believe to be a great idea through hubris, which I then will never have the means to execute. So I give the idea freely to anybody. Are you throwing one out here? I have a great idea. Another one of Rick Emerson's <laughs> patented fried gold ideas. 
I have this scene for a movie that I constantly see in my head. Maybe it's already been done. But I constantly see this scene in my head, and I have some filmmaking friends, and I'm always like, you've got to put this in a movie just because it's too good not to use. And the the scene is, I don't know how you even get to this point in the movie, but the scene is like, in my head, it's always like at a rock concert. But it's just two people uh, sitting next to each other at a rock concert, and they're signing to each other. Obviously a couple, romantic, yeah. or maybe they've just met, or whatever. But they're obviously, there's some sort of romantic connection. They're signing to each other. And then the camera, like the crane, does the big aerial pullback. Yeah. And as the crane comes up, the sound sort of fades away into a dull wash, yeah. and then you uh, it, it, and then you you um, you fade out everything around them, so they are the only thing illuminated, and so it's so you also you visually and orally take away the spectacle and the sound, so it is just these two people in the midst of this deafeningly loud environment, and then having this conversation where the sound just sort of washes away. I don't know why it's in my head. You know what's amazing about that is that situation can happen, and the deaf people can be like. 200 feet away from each other. One person could be in one section, one could be in another section. They could see each other and sign back and forth with each other. You can have conversations across the room. That's kind of a trippy to me, I think. And also the fact that when you are in a room full of deaf people, you can actually eavesdrop on everybody's conversation. Oh, I hadn't thought of it because the lip yeah. reading. Well, because of the signing. And, and oh, I know. It's a group of deaf people. Yeah, yeah. but and, and is it... Now, does... Uh, I, I want to back up to something. I made a note to myself last yeah, hour. There are a million things to talk about, about this. Um, you, can we extend the show today? I'm sure. Why not? Right. Call Lycus and ask him. Right. Um, the oh. call Lycus and ask him. Right. Um, the oh really? <laughs> you said that they had talked to you about on on Howard. You were a writer on Howard Show for a while, or that mm -hmm. when Jackie left. Here's a dumb question. Uh, because I, alone among most radio people, certainly my generation, I deliberately didn't really ever listen to Howard because I kind of got this thing where you talk about when you, you leave somebody around somebody, you pick up an accent. Yeah. And I have this thing where I pick up the tone of a show oh, yeah. if I listen to it all the time. Comedians. And I didn't want to inadvertently steal yeah. from Howard. So I just never listened to Howard. What does a writer on the Howard Stern Show do? That's a, that's a dumb question, I guess, for people who are familiar with You know, it's funny it. because uh, I was writing for the show and working for the show, and I never heard it. Never heard the show. Uh, I started working for him. I just knew that he was friends with Sam Kinison, so I, I started calling in as Sam Kinison calling in live from hell. Every time a really bad celebrity would die, uh, and when I say bad, I mean like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, I would call in and say, uh, hey guys, it's, it's Sam Kinison, I'm down in hell, and, and guess who just came down here? Jeffrey, I mean, it was the darkest material. I was the only guy when somebody died going, oh, i got to write something about this, you know, <laughs> let me write some comedy. And, uh, uh, so the writing is that, uh, you know, you just, you float an idea. I gotta say, he does have a very open policy with interns, even saying, uh, look, you got an idea? So, you know, let's right. hear it, man. He, he's open to ideas. He's open to thoughts. And I just got lucky that all my ideas he seemed to like. So, uh, they ever asked you to do an impression of him? No, but uh, I do that impression of Gary Delabate, which for some reason, Gary and Howard specifically don't like that impression. Uh, although everybody who's a fan of that show and has heard me do it loves loves the Gary Delabate impression. Because version. radio people are usually divas and they don't really want to admit it. Well, um, and they don't want to they don't also, feel maybe in the, like they can't be mocked. Well, the, I'm they're, so they're, unique they're that so I cannot unique. possibly be even <laughs> But there's also the whole thing about the, being too close to it. Like Alec Baldwin, uh, who I worked with on the show Las Vegas, asked me, if any, he said, uh, have you ever done an impression for the people you do the voices of? Like, have you ever done the voice for those people? And I said, yeah, but, you know, it's weird because when I do, they're usually kind of weird about it. And he goes, it's because you take a part of their soul. 
<laughs> I go, yeah, I guess it is, man. So you're sort of an you're sort of an auditory Voldemort, where you just uh, into seven slices. I don't um, even know what the word means, but from the the structure of the sentence, I understand it now. Let's uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show with uh, Craig Ass, by the way, who will be at the Back Alley Nightclub in Vancouver. One show Saturday, one show Sunday. Do you know it's where that is? MySpace.com slash Craig Gass. No, but I have a GPS. Uh, so. Vancouver, Washington. It's on Mill Plain Avenue, and I know this. Oh, okay. I oh, know the right phone number. By Cenotopia. I can actually give you the phone number. It's 360 uh, 694. Uh, where is that phone number? 694 6873. 6873. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, speaking of which, I just want to know how uh, someone with so much talent ends up uh, playing in the back alley in Vancouver. <laughs> bad caller, bad caller. Uh, no, no, no. Actually, there's a For great shame. There's a great oh, there's, a, there's a great answer to this. Is that uh, the comedy club in town has always been. Uh, not too friendly to me, and uh, so I've just... Well, good for you, then. Wait, who said, are you know, they? Uh, Harvey's. They're dead to me. <laughs> Hold on. They are now my sworn enemy. And it's enemy. great because I literally can go anywhere and make and make five times more money uh, or more uh, doing a show at a bar than I will at, at a comedy club. So I can, I can literally go into a bar next door to the comedy club, fill the place. And what's great is the comedy clubs that uh, originally were... Uh, being difficult with me to try to get in are now suddenly going, what can we do to get you... Is it harder or easier to do stand-up now than it was like 10 years ago? Um, I don't know. Something's happening with me lately. I'm getting offered a lot of TV shows. I, don't even have, I haven't even been working with an agent for the last couple of years, and I keep getting offered TV shows without an agent. King of Queens, I was given the role without an audition, without, without an agent, Las Vegas. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Something seems to be happening right now. Like Queen Supreme. Uh, Queen Supreme was a show produced by Julia Roberts um, for CBS, and um, it it never lasted. I, I, I've heard they're going to try to bring it back, but it was a recurring character where I was this quirky um, assistant to Annabella Escuria, who's hot. Oh, my God, that's the girl from Jungle Fever. Man, that girl is hot. Um, and... Um, uh, so it was this. It was this show that was supposed to, it, and it had a great cast. It had the guy who played uh, Big Pussy on uh, on uh, Sopranos, right. um, uh, Robert Loggia, uh, Annabelle Sciorra, um, uh another guy whose name I can't think of that was in the movie Michael. What the hell was that guy's name? Um, but uh, I, uh, Vinny Pastore. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a great cast, but... Well, we're going to talk about Gene Simmons here in just a second. Uh, yeah, we, we got like three different reasons to talk about that. Uh, if you want to uh, talk to Craig Gass, it's 503-733-2970. Why, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hello, this is Dale. Hello. Hey. Hey. Hey, Craig, I, I, the first time I heard you on Stern, man, I cried because I, I, I thought you were Sam Kennison, man. It was so cool. Wow. You... There, there people, I get a lot of, you know what, for some reason, the, the Kinnison is the one that seems to have an emotional attachment to people. People go, man, you made me cry, pulled over I, the side of the freeway and started yeah, crying. I, uh, yeah, I'm such a huge fan, man, and uh, I was wondering if uh, you could uh, describe, my, my buddy Dan, I know he's listening, he listens all the time. If you could scream at him in Kinnison's voice and tell him to go see my, his buddy Dale's band tonight. Uh, wait, wait, what's the guy's name? Dan Wiaco. Dan? Well, can I tell you a story and then I'll do the Kinnison scream for you? Yeah. Um, a friend of mine... Uh, who used to play piano at the comedy store, told me an amazing story. He said, uh, hey, I, I love your Kinnison impression. I think you might get, uh, appreciate the story. Um, Sam and I were at a party one night, and Sam had a mirror full of cocaine. And he handed it to a woman behind him without even looking. And the woman was eight months pregnant. Oh, oh my God. And everyone God. goes, Sam, what are you doing? And he goes, he goes oh, I'm, so I'm sorry. 
But I didn't do it intentionally. I'm sorry, man. It's not, not intentional. They go, well, dude, she's pregnant. He goes, I know, well, I know she's pregnant. Well, plus you don't want the kid coming out next month going, where's the dealer's pager? Oh, <laughs> And he said, the guy goes, a month later, I'm in a car with Kinnison. We're driving over the Hollywood Hills. And I go, do you remember that party we were at where you tried to hand that Coke to that woman that was pregnant? And he said, Sam, looked at him. His face was totally blank. And he goes, what? And he goes, you don't remember that? You th The party? And you tried to get to the woman who was pregnant, and I go, and I said, I go, uh, I go, what are you doing, man? She's about, she's about to give birth, and what did you say? You had that great line. Remember what you said? You go, you go, yeah. Plus, you don't want the kid coming out going, where's the dealer's pager? Uh, uh. And he said, Kenneth, I looked at him and just went, oh. Did I say that? I should write that down. That's funny. I should use that on stage. <laughs> Didn't even remember it. So. Fantastic. Anyway, so what's the what's, what's the guy's name again? The shout out, Dan Wianco. Tell him to go see his buddy Dale's band tonight. Dan, Dan, I know you're out there, and Dan, I know you don't have much going on tonight. So I'm asking you to do one thing. And it's not that hard, especially when you're a loser with no life. Go see Pat's band, you jerk! Get off your ass! Oh, oh! Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> you know, the thing about it is, about Kinnison is, is that I think probably, I mean, certainly for me, I can identify, I think, why maybe singularly among your impressions, that's the one, A, because, you know, it's the poignancy thing because he's dead, uh, and just because he... Because he really was just one of a kind. There was, there, yeah. and, and you don't ever hear anybody else do it, obviously, as you know. But it's just, I think Sam really resonated with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And you, you think, you know, he's just some guy who screamed or whatever. But, I mean, at that time and that place, he really did seem to be having this weird kind of uh, perverse sort of truth with what he did. And I think people really miss that. I think people miss Sam a it, lot. It is those unique voices that are easy for me to copy. Um uh, those uh, the more the weirder the voice, the easier it is for me to emulate it. Who couldn't, uh, anybody you couldn't do that you tried? I, I, I've, first of all, I wish I never work on it. Uh, I'm very lazy, and uh, uh, when it comes to doing voices, uh, and number two, it's just it's always right there. I never have to work on it. I'll be telling a story, and uh, like uh, you know, uh, there's a great a joke that I love by Adam Sandler, and I would tell people this joke, and the voice was just there when I told the joke. And the joke is one of the best sports jokes I've ever heard. He said, um, I saw him do stand up when I was writing for Saturday Night Live. He goes, Hey, so uh, I I saw that. Uh, I saw that Will Chamberlain was the uh, first guy to ever score 100 points in an NBA game. That's, that's a true story. Uh, and, uh, uh, Will Chamberlain, first guy to ever score 100 points all by himself. And uh, I like to do my impression of uh, one of Will's teammates uh, during halftime. This is uh, one of Will's teammates at halftime when he scored 100 points. Here we go. <clears throat> hey, Will, I'm open. You passed the ball, bro. You got 64 points. Tom got two on, and it's only because you bounced the ball off his friggin' head in the basket. My parents are here. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> All right. That was good. And uh, I got to do one more impression. This is uh, an impression of the coach of the opposing team. This is uh, uh, the coach of the opposing team during halftime. When you score 100 points. Here we go. All right. uh, who's coming, Wilt? I love that joke. <laughs> Excellent. Best, best joke ever. Uh, all right, one more, and then we got to talk to Gene Simmons. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, guys, it's Timothy Collins. Hello. Uh, hey, Craig, if you could do uh, a little bit of Al Pacino's kid. Al Pacino's baby was an idea. It was a really dumb idea. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, Al Pacino and Beverly D'Angelo had twins. Mm. <laughs> and I said, wouldn't it be funny if one of the babies came on the air and did an interview with us, which was the dumbest idea. It was written out. Um, Wow, so you're Al Pacino's baby. What do you like to do for fun? Ah, uh, jeez, I... Ah, uh, 
Me, I, I, I like to pee. You like to pee? I love to pee. Uh, my mother, Beverly Angelo, a beautiful woman, and whenever she changes, changes my diapers, I give her a quick squirt. Hoo-ah! And she loves it. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Timothy. Hey, can I tell you the quick story about Alec Baldwin? Please do. All right. Alec Baldwin, who is my partner, not... Yeah. Uh, not like the, <laughs> not a rehab kind of way. No, no, no. We don't go camping, but you know, it's my partner on the show, Las Vegas. We did very manly stuff. It's not Brokeback Casino. The first uh, when Alec Baldwin, uh, he loved uh, hearing me do impressions. I was always having me do my Al Pacino for him, and I'd always have him do his Tony Bennett. He does a spot on Tony Bennett impression, like one where you go, "What does Tony Bennett sound like?" And you hear him doing, he goes, "It's real glossy eyed." Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I used to date Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe was a real foxy lady. I once made love to Marilyn for up to 12 hours until the paramedics came along and said, Tony, she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe had some really beautiful feet. I once made love to her foot for up to 12 hours until some people came along and said, Tony, Madame Tussauds is closed. You got to go. <laughs> so, this is really... And I always do my Al Pacino impression for him, and he kept telling me, I got to give you the script. I got to give you the script, because I, I, I did a play. I did a play about Al Pacino's life, and it made him pissed, and I got to show you the script. And then one day he, he tells me the story that Al Pacino almost kicked his ass. That uh, Alec uh, Baldwin is telling me a story. He goes, he goes, I hear, he goes, I did a play about Al Pacino's life, which, by the way, they're about to make a movie about. And the play opened on September 11, 2001. And they only did one performance of the show. And it was supposed to be a two-week run, but they shut it down, and they never did another performance. Well, the play was written by a former best friend of Al Pacino's who wrote a bunch of personal Those information. Those are the best kind that Al didn't want a lot of this personal information out there. And this guy revealed a bunch of stuff that Al didn't want people to know. Right. So Alec Baldwin starts hearing to the grapevine, did you know Al Pacino wants to beat your ass? He's been <laughs> saying that the next time he sees you, he's going to beat your ass. And Alec Baldwin says, he goes, so one day I'm in my apartment building. The elevator door opens to my apartment building. Who's in the elevator? But Al Pacino, Beverly D'Angelo, and a real estate broker. They're looking for an apartment in my building. And he said as soon as the elevator door opened up, Al Pacino looked at him and went, Oh, Jesus. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Beverly D'Angelo, completely clueless, gets off the elevator and goes, Alan! Oh, my God! Look who it is! We were just talking about you. We were saying you're so political. You should run for president or something. Why are we saying that, Al? Why are we saying that? And so the whole time, the Pacino's looking going, who, him? Yeah. Uh, this guy, <laughs> Alec, you uh, you can do anything you want, can't you? <laughs> anything you want. Beverly uh, Angelo, completely clueless, goes walking down the hallway with a real estate broker in tow, and Pacino eyeballs him as he walks by him. Uh, and Alec goes, Al, can I talk to you for one second? He goes, what? You got something you want to say to me? <laughs> what do you got to say to me, Alec? And he goes, listen, I know you know about the play. And he goes, play. You are in a play. <laughs> oh, tell me about this play. I'm dying to hear about it. And Alex said, listen, I know you know about the play. I'll only tell you a few things. Number one, I wasn't going to do the play in your backyard. I was only going to do it in New York City. Secondly, I only agreed to do the show for two weeks out of respect to you. And thirdly, and this is the truth, I never have had more fun in my life than I did playing you. And that's the truth. And he said, Pacino then went, Alec, how in the world can you have fun 
being me. <laughs> I implore you, show me the way, because I'm miserable. I am miserable. Is that not the greatest line in the world? That is fantastic. I am miserable. Ugh. Ah. Good story. All right, Dave uh, Chappelle, baby. Re- real quickly, we got to talk Gene Simmons, then we'll break. We'll come back. Or do we have to break here? What? Let's just get it out of the All right. Uh, all right. right. We're going to break here. We'll come back. We'll do a news break. Uh, ah. And then we're talk a little Gene Simmons. We're here with Craig Gass. My God! MySpace.com. Oh! Slash Craig Gass. Oh! Back Alley Nightclub. I was waiting for another punctuating screen. Uh, it's, 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 Saturday and Sunday. It's Craig Gass with two S's. Saturday and Sunday. One show, 8 o'clock on Saturday. One show, 8 o'clock on Sunday. I'll be there to give out free blue. <laughs> Back after this on the Rick Emerson Show. Say that. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Yes. I don't mean it's right. 503. I'm the biggest damn thug from coast to coast. 733 Craig Gass uh, and the cast of thousands in the studio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll tell the Gene Simmons story in just one second. And Ladies and gentlemen, Kiki. and your hot friend Kiki. Hell yeah. Sure. That's said just so my wife can hear it. Because things were just calming down. Yeah, so. thanks for me, calling me a hooker clown earlier. <laughs> this is my hot friend Kiki. Rick, remember how often you said how hot she is? Kiki. This is Kiki. Hot I was on Sex in the City. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why, hello, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry Hooker of clown. Truth, this is Tim Riley. I'm sure her hot friend Kiki is very impressed. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> he is. It's well, like well, well, news from the devil. From me? Uh, and anyway, the sounds and the music. Oh, that's true, too. That'd be with your best shot, Tim. Well, Crescent customers in Astoria, CSAT, and Warrington were unable to make long-distance calls. As well as the town of Cannon Beach in Westport, they have no 911 service. So, amateur radio operators, the so-called hams, are trying to help out with communications as Columbia, Clatsop, and Tillamook County experience spotty and non-existent telephone service. Pacific Power has its crews cutting their way into Clatsop County. Can you imagine being in a place that they have to cut their way into? This <laughs> <laughs> is just like the jungles in the Amazon or something. Well, and imagine that you're in Sea. I mean, really, if you're in Seaside, what is it you're calling? Are you just calling to hear what a better town sounds like at that point? You're just calling to tell people about exciting items they can buy made out of Mount St. Helens ash? That is one of the most disgusting beach towns ever. Not that, I'm trying, to, not that I'm trying to compare it to Malibu, but yeah. I mean... Everything is just coated with, with two or three feet of seagull poop. I mean, it really been clean since 1920. It really is just like a, it's like a snow globe that has just been filled with dirt. You yeah. know what I mean? You just you just it's like a snow globe that you just shake it up and watch things covered in silt. That's essentially what seaside is. Is that a tool shed? No, that's somebody's summer home. <laughs> and I don't want we don't. By the way, we should we should say that one of our favorite listeners, Michael, is in seaside. And Michael's the guy who sends us a bootleg. Michael sent me the meatloaf CD. He sent me the meatloaf thing. He sent me a Van Halen bootleg from a show nice. they just did like three weeks ago. He really? hooked me up with a bunch of Alice Cooper stuff from when he was at the at the whiskey. Jeez. So Michael. Just, you know, you are the shining beacon inside a hideous place. Uh, You're Mr. Seaside. Of, oh, I got to tell you, and this is no reflection, obviously. It's the only person I happen to meet from Seaside. But the biggest freak of a woman I've ever met in my <laughs> life was from Seaside, Oregon. And she is a freak. And I even get the feeling that when I say that, that everyone in Seaside listening will go, I'll bet he's talking about, like, this girl. That's yes. like when we had somebody call up the other day, and I was talking about a woman who was next to me at the Safeway. She had, like, the full, like, a full beard. 
Shut up. No, like a full a there full a on beard. There's, there's, that that thing is, as we discussed it, we the found bearded the, lady of seaside. There's <laughs> there's like nine different women in Portland with really? a full on beard yeah. and and yeah, and it wasn't like a cross dressing thing. Like it was clearly a woman, anatomically right. a woman, just full on like Grizzly Adams, Karl Marx beard <laughs> going on. That I, is here's uh, Tim Riley. So as they cut their way into Clatsop County, they're finding 100 foot trans. Uh, transmission poles are down at large sections of uh, transmission lines around the ground. At one point, they had to recall crews because it was too dangerous to save people. Uh, state government functions have been curtailed, like they weren't before the storm. <laughs> the Department of Administrative Services and the uh, driver's license and employment offices in Columbia County are flooded. Exceptions were the 24-hour operations, such as the state police, with Departments of Transportation and Correction. The annual yarn conference has been canceled. I suppose that they could move to, like, the, the Gresham Convention Center or something. Yes. Uh, the Red Cross has opened up a uh, shelter at Tillamook County Fairgrounds. So far, 30 people have come over. And uh, they lost count due to the fact that communications have broken down. So that's that. All right. I-5 remains closed. They say it's going to open Friday, but they can't guarantee anything. You're all doomed. Ooh, I hope so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history Good of the world. Good job, Tim. I love you. Back you got the Tina Yonder's stool. I do. Hey, I heard about that. It's the second time I... Obviously, We're must be a true excited. story. No, it's not. I'm very excited about it. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through, like uh, Tim Riley. Um, Craig Gass is here, myspace.com slash Craig Gass. Craig Gass. Sure. Lay it on me. If I can interrupt really quickly. Oh, yeah. Apparently, some people have been calling and asking, but it is at the Back Alley Nightclub in Vancouver. It is 360-694-6873. 360-694-6873. One show Sunday, one show Saturday. Yep, so. 8 o'clock each night, and it's just there's no advanced tickets. You show up. The place holds a few hundred people. We'll be able to get everybody in I'm there. I'm there. And we'll be good. What's the question? I was just going to ask if I was going to ask you to be my MySpace friend. Nerd. Sure. All right. Fantastic. We should do that on the air. I'm doing it right now. Send me your first email. Who is the first? What's it going to be? Don't be nervous. Wait, what's what going to be? What's the first email you're going to write me? I'm, I'm or not you just writing put, you an email. No, you're I was, just asking to be a friend, the and then you're never going to even correspond with me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but you're just a number to me. Ugh. Wait I'm just kidding. Well, uh, I... So you want to talk about Gene Simmons? Last week uh, was a huge... Or was it this week? Maybe it was this week. No, it was last week. I was in uh, Los Angeles, and uh, uh, I taped my first televised roast. Exactly. This is uh, for the family jewels, the Gene Simmons thing. Yes, we roasted uh, Gene Simmons, and it was uh, me, Jeff Ross. um, Jeff Ross is an evil person. Jeff Ross is a broken. There's something broken inside that guy. I mean, he's great, but I mean... You just get I, the feeling that he's just set fire to things when he was a kid. <laughs> Look, that's a cute little animal. Where's the Where's the nail gun? Jeff like, Ross is such a huge Kiss fan. Um, I, I brought him and a couple years ago I brought him and Jim Norton and uh, a guy named Steve Byrne who's about to come out with his first uh, Comedy Central special backstage to a Kiss concert. And he's such a huge Kiss fan. I knew it was a big deal for him. In fact, Je- uh, Jeff Ross opened the show by saying. Uh, a phenomenal line, and this is a true story. Uh, Gene actually was on a TV show with Jeff, where he actually was just a jerk to him, like to his face. It was mind blowing. Jeff told me about it. I looked it up on somewhere and, and and saw it. But he opened up the show by saying, uh, "He goes, well, so we're here to talk about Gene Simmons. Gene, I am the biggest Kiss fan in the world, and you were my favorite member of my favorite band. I dressed up like you every year for Halloween. I bought all your albums. I bought all the toys." I worshipped you. And then I met you. <laughs> Gene, you're such an a-hole that even your a-hole had to change its name to Murray. <laughs> I, was like, I was so floored by that line. Jim Norton came out and said, uh, 
Uh, Paul Stanley wanted to be here tonight. Uh, he couldn't make it because uh, he, of course, you may know he had hip replacement surgery. He actually broke his hip falling out of the closet. And uh, uh, John, John Heffron came out and said about uh, Danny Bonaducci. he goes, Danny Bonaducci's here. He goes, Danny, it's so weird to see your face without the letters TMZ underneath it. Uh, Danny actually, uh, no divorce, uh, kind of sad. We all felt for him when he got divorced, but he's dating again. Isn't that a true story, Danny? Danny Bonaduce, yep, you are dating again. Danny Bonaduce has a girlfriend. His girlfriend's name is the most uninformed woman on the planet. <laughs> I love that line. And, uh, uh, and I had a lot of fun. It's going to air in April. What was great about it is a lot of, uh, uh, musician friends of mine came out to support me that, you know, uh, I was. I said at the beginning of this interview a couple hours ago that my first love was music. I used to book and promote concerts and manage bands from the time I was 15 until I was 23. Made a lot of friends in the music industry. A lot of them came out to support me. The whole front, you'll see uh, a couple guys from Pearl Jam actually flew down from Seattle to see the show. A bunch of Seattle musicians. Uh, Jeff Tate was there. A couple guys from Alice in Chains who I toured with this summer. Um, some of the guys from System of a Down. Some of the guys from Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, some of the guys from Sugar Ray. Uh, a great VIP list, and it was so much fun. The roast was so great. Lisa Lampanelli killed. Uh, Paul Rodriguez was great. Paul Mooney. Oh, dude. When is this going to air? Do we know, by the way? The In Gene April. Simmons? It'll probably be April. It'll be okay. a special 90-minute to two-hour special. Something happened at the roast. Steve-O was supposed to be a part of the roast. Um, listen to this and check this out. Steve-O was so hammered by the time we started rolling tape uh, he could, he could barely talk. He was screaming out every other joke, and he was he was a mess. We went to commercial, and Steve-O went behind the couch where we were all sitting and started urinating on the floor. Of, of course he did. Right there. And then Dick he did it again the second time we went to break. Except this time he was trying to – I was so floored. We didn't dump, do we? No, no I was – Okay. I was so floored. Yeah. I was so floored by this happening. And they had confiscated everybody's phones because they might be taking pictures of the event. They didn't take my phone. I flipped over my camera, and I took a picture of Steve-O relieving himself on Danny Bonaducci. <laughs> and if you go to my MySpace, myspace.com slash Craig Gas with two S's, you will see a picture in my – there's a couple photo albums, and one is of Gene Simmons Rose, and there's a picture of Steve-O relieving himself on Danny Bonaducci's back. And Danny doesn't even know it, and you can see in the very back <laughs> left-hand corner, you can see Ralphie May with a big smile on his face, knowing that – that Steve is so great. It's relieving himself. That is, on there's, there is the greatest photograph that somebody posted. That is a, that is wonderful. Yes, there's, Go, there's a photograph like that that somebody stuck in my MySpace the other day. Please do. Um, somebody put this photograph in my MySpace the other day, and it's it, it looks to be the real I deal. Feel like it's, I'm dating her. Like there's such an. Uh, go ahead. Insert. <laughs> insert joke here. Uh, there's, just, there's a photograph that somebody sent me. It's like some photograph from whatever. It's a bunch of kids like on a soccer team or whatever. And they're doing the thing where there's like the coach and there's all the kids in their uniforms in three rows. And they're doing the big like, let's get our, you know, here's, you know, the, the Pizza Hut Junior Varsity team for, you know, Portland. And the kids are all getting their soccer team. And there's three rows of kids. And there is a kid in the middle row who has, he's uh, throwing up. <laughs> but the camera is, the picture was taken at the instant before it hits the kid underneath him oh. and so if you look at this photograph th there's the kid in the middle of the road going and it's like it's like this perfect like away. frozen like no like a fly kidding. in jurassic park amber no kidding and you can tell that in the next half second it's about to hit the kid yeah. underneath oh, him and it's just awesome. a miracle of high-speed photography you get this one instant that this is glorious awesome. moment in time um who is the most famous number in your cell phone 
Uh, I got a lot of people in my set. It's funny you should ask that. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, somebody at the hotel that I'm staying at actually uh, recognized me from uh, Las Vegas and said, um, uh, if I put you in a nice room, will you give me Josh Duhamel's phone number? And I said, you know what? I actually have Josh Duhamel's phone number. But um, Alec Baldwin. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Uh, who else? I don't know. I have to look. See, I can never have Alec Baldwin's number ever because I would just late at night or something in the throes of You'd a value induced. Call it. No, I would totally call him and just go, oh, copies for closers. And then I would just hang up. I would just totally call him and you know, ABC. You know, that's all I would do. Uh, I got uh, Alec Baldwin. I'm looking. Uh, a couple of radio people, um, uh, a couple of musicians, Artie Lang. Uh, Audie Desbrow is the drummer of Great, Great White. Yes. Uh, oh, you know that. I do. Uh, Barry Katz is a huge manager. Um, Billy Burr, who just came out with a HBO special. Uh, Billy Mirror Blasco from Ozzy's band. Uh, I am suitably impressed. Bobby Dahl from Poison. From Poison. Bobby Slayton. Bobby Lee. Um, you know you're just torturing yourself at this point. I know. Right, right? No, 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 it's fine. No, I just, you know, we that's a, that's kind of a stock question. That is like, we have two questions we ask people who come on the show. Any sort of celebrity, we ask them, who is the biggest name on your cell phone? And then we always, uh, and then what is your favorite Billy Joel song? I, oh, you know what? I got Howard Stern's phone number, George Carlin's phone number. See, that See that's that to me is the gold right there. Carlin's yeah. phone number, that, that's the gold standard. Yeah, George, uh, yeah, there's a whole story there. I don't even have time to finish all my stories. I'm okay, sorry. well, let's do this. Let's get the final break out of the way. We'll come back. Uh, Craig Gass is here. Uh, and actually, be, you'll be on the Marconi Show uh, later on today, if uh, folks Actually, they you know what? Mar Marconi's Show actually has a bunch of celebrities lined up for this. Show. There's actually going to be a lot of surprises on the Marconi Show for the next couple of days. So definitely listen to Marconi. There's going to be some crazy stuff going on over at Marconi Show. It's myspace.com slash Craig Gass. Uh, the Back Alley Nightclub, Saturday and Sunday, 360-694-6873. Back after this, here's our Wednesday 13. We return to wrap it up next. Stay Emerson Radio program. Oh, you don't sound that different. No, I don't. In fact, Craig, why don't we do this? Hey, Craig, why don't we put you on this mic over here? That way it's all, that one's kind of processed specifically oh, for me. Yeah. Make y'all boomy. All right, there you there go. You oh, go. This is weird. We've actually traded microphones. Long story. Uh, so Craig's actually using my, uh, he's look. <laughs> he's on Sarah's MySpace page. Yeah. I, can <laughs> I sound really weird on this microphone. You don't sound weird. You sure? All right. I'm sure. Uh, we now enter the pictures. saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, Craig Gass is here. It's myspace.com slash Craig Gass. Uh, he's going to be at the Back Alley Nightclub Saturday and Sunday. Uh, you can find out more at 360-694-6873. And I guess it's a no, uh, no whatever. You just uh, you just sort of show up. Right on. Would it unnerve would it unnerve you to know that he's just scrolling through your photographs one well, by could, one? You can only see some of them because some of them are. No, the, the, yeah. no but the thing are is, they? until I become your friend. Yes. Right. Uh, he is clicking on what, for a long time, I believe to be the best photo of you. Would you like to know which one he's is looking this, at? Which uh, one is it? It's the one where you're turned sideways and you have like the flower behind your ear or whatever. It's like you're in like a oh, floral. The, 
the modeling thing. Yeah, it's um, like a floral print or whatever. Modeling thing. Yeah. She's so that see that's a great oh, photograph. And the one of you on the couch at the Fifth Avenue Suites. Oh yeah, is the other really one. great one. So those are which that is no longer the Fifth gone. Avenue Suites. All right. Uh, so how long do we have? What, when does the music start? We got uh, four minutes and forty seconds. Four All right, minutes. let me tell you as much as I can about Gene Simmons and Paul. Simmons. I was just going to say we're in that awkward period of time. We got four minutes to fill. So all right, guess, so go. It all starts with this. Uh, uh, I quote on stage all the time interviews that I see with Kiss. There's an actual interview that ran on VH1 all the time, and it's a quote. I'm quoting the interview. Paul Stanley said. Uh, they, they asked him, uh, a lot of people think that Kiss should give it up. What do you say to those people? Paul Stanley, the lead singer of Kiss, actually responded with, you know, the great thing about being in Kiss is a lot of bands don't even get invited to the big dinner, but we're the kind of band like to stick around for the roles. Like, what? What are you talking about? It's only Brian from Family Guy. You know, but the thing is, when Paul says stuff, though, it just doesn't make any sense, but it's like he sells it. Yep. So, and I'm such a Kiss nerd. Sarah can tell you that, actually, one of the greatest moments, this is how sad my life is, one of the greatest moments of my radio career was when we did this uh, 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 giveaway of Kissology Volume 2 or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, Which, and it, they do think of, you know, like, write some crap for Gene and Paul to say. And so I wrote, you know, it's like, a, you know, I wrote a bunch of stuff, you know, for the station and whatever. And there's this one liner they cut for me where it is, and I can't really do the voice, but it's Paul going, you're listening to Rick Emerson program deep within the Kiss Nation. And I heard it, I was like, yeah! <laughs> you know, and it's like, I nearly wet myself like really? in, in my off because it comes on and it's like you, you know, still play them randomly no no i still play them for no reason like because it, it, it starts it's a it's a gene and paul handoff and i know i'm one of like nine million djs that they're coming right, right, right. but it's this is gene simmons and this is paul stanley from kiss and broadcasting from deep within the kiss nation you listening to the rick emerson show and i was just like a guy go- i am a 34 year old man and i'm just he's not you know, it's, I just lost the power of speech <laughs> for about nine minutes. That's very endearing. I like that. Yeah. I, I'll tell you a great story about um, uh, a guy got me, uh, who works for kids, gave me passes to the concert uh, one night, and I went to the show, and I went backstage to thank him for getting me in, and uh, and I'm trying to figure out how to get back to him, and I open this door, and there's Paul Stanley uh, uh, in his full makeup, uh, chest hair, you know, uh, with the, you know, the whole kiss outfit on. Yeah. He hasn't gotten out of his makeup yet. And I'm like, and my buddy who got me passes is standing next to him, looking at me, going, "What are you, what are you doing?" And I go, "Oh, I'm, I'm sorry." And I walk, <laughs> I walk in between them, and I start walking down the hall. I've never met Paul Stanley before at this point. I'm walking down the hall. I get about 20 steps down the hall, and I hear, "Craig Gath." And I go, uh, "Hey, what's up?" And he goes, "How come you don't do an impression of me?" And I go, "I do one." I don't know if you want to hear it, though. Come on, let's hear it. I start walking towards Paul, and I'm editing out every gay joke I've ever done about him. And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. And then I walk up to him, and I go, you know, basically, you're the rock star. You're the guy who likes to go out and have fun. And this is the guy that looks out and says, you see 20,000 hot, slutty women in front of the stage, and you think, how many of these whores got in for free? Because that's the bottom line. And then this guy just likes to rock and roll all night and party every day. And this guy wants to know how much cash you got in your wallet. And it was this dumb thing. And he goes, you know, that doesn't sound anything like me at all. I go, well, I, which is what everybody says. When I sure. opened for Metallica, the, the manager for Metallica said, Lars, this guy really sounds like you when he does that impression. And Lars goes... I think it sounds kind of weird, you know, just it sounds kind of like off, huh? And uh, so they always feel weird about it. But the guys from Kiss, 
always been so cool to me. And uh, I told the story, and I'll tell the story to wrap up my thing. we got like 60 seconds. Here. All right. The guy who taught me how to do the Gene Simmons impression is a guy named John Bianelli. He works for Aerosmith. Every time we call each other, it's always, hi, John, this is Gene Simmons from KISS. And we always do that back and forth every time. we. That's our tradition. Well... Aerosmith and Kiss toured together a couple years ago, yeah. and John got a cold call from Gene Simmons. He picks up the phone, and he hears, Hi, John, this is Gene Simmons from Kiss. And he goes, What's up, you cheap Jew? And, John, and Gene goes, I'm sorry? And he goes, Oh, oh, oh. Craig? And he goes, No, this isn't Craig Gass. This is Gene Simmons from Kiss. And they just laughed it off and had the conversation. Jesus. He laughed it off. It was no big deal. That's how great Gene Simmons Fantastic. is. Fantastic. Excellent. Thank you for having me in. Thank you to the Back Alley Nightclub in Vancouver. One show Saturday, one show on Sunday. Thank you for having me over there. It's uh, 694, uh, what is it, 694 6873 Thank you. 6503 East Mill Plain Boulevard. All right. Uh, and it's going to be great shows. One show on Saturday, one show on Sunday, which is unorthodox. Thank you to you guys for having me in. Thank you, sir. Uh, and we want to thank our good friend Mike Chase. Uh, and thank you, Mike up. Chase. Thank you, Residence Inn. Thank you, Shopping Town, Westfield Mall. Uh, thank you. Vancouver. We would have had uh, CNN Radio correspondents uh, Steve Katzenbaum and Lisa Desjardins for joining us today. Craig Gass, of course, MySpace.com slash Craig Gass. i got to come um, back and finish this interview. i got to. Well, the door is always open. Mi casa es su casa. Thanks, uh, man. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan for AM 970 Solid State Radio. A proud part of the CBS Radio family in I the newsroom. I want a prank call this Friday when Tommy Thayer's in. We, oh, we didn't even talk about Tommy Thayer. Oh, for the love of God. Uh, Tim Riley in the newsroom, Richie Bristol on the phones, Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper, Susan Reynolds is marketing, uh, and Bridget from upstairs, of course, imaging and webmistress. Uh, like us next, Donna Mike at 7, CL tomorrow at 11. Thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards get in now. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.